Welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. You should know that this episode was also recorded in video and can be watched on our website at theundrapedartist.com and also on YouTube at the Undraped Artist Podcast. Also, check out our show notes to learn more about today's guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Casey Childs, welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, it's good to good to finally have you, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you didn't drive all the way over here again this time. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it yeah, it's good that we finally made this happen. That was uh, that that was my fault. All how many months ago was that? I don't that think so. Months. I don't know. It was like six months ago or something. Yeah. So for the audience, <laughs> we live 50 miles apart, and yes, I, yeah. it was my fault because I didn't tell you. I wasn't clear that this was online <laughs> and you drove all the way to Salt Lake City and then I'm like, dude, no, it's online. <laughs> it was it's my fault. I uh I should have I should have listened and watched some of the podcasts, but I didn't yeah, want to be it. like influenced by what somebody else says. I wanted to be authentic and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go up there. I thought Jeff had this whole setup that that was awesome. And no. uh, he's like, No, I'm not set up here to, to do any of that. No. So no, well, yeah. I'm glad you're finally here, man. And I, I still need to come see your studio, but I was looking right. behind you and just right. admiring that. Oh, wait, it's this one here. Admiring all the stuff you got going on back there. Like you got the yeah, costumes. Yeah, I got a bunch of, bunch of projects over here and then uh, yeah, costumes and things for those projects. And and um, yeah, this is this is my studio here. Your North studio Light, right is gorgeous. Here in front of me and yeah, yes. my easel's right here. So I saw a video yeah. on your Instagram too. Let me see if I can find that real quick. But maybe I'll just run. You did like a quick tour. Oh yeah, like a tour. I, yeah, for Portrait Society in one of their events, uh, uh, they they had me do a studio tour where I just walk through and talk about studio and and what I did. And, and um, this is a fairly is recent it? move. Here. Is this it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Walk in through and through the front door. Yeah, yeah, man, this is so nice. I want to build a studio so bad. <laughs> well, you've talked. You've had plans to build a studio, right? Yeah, like to kind but... Of add on to your current space. It's not like you don't have an amazing space up no, there. No, I love my space. But there's something about building from the ground up like you did. That's like, it's all your own. And you got it. Yeah. You got it yeah. just perfect. I mean, I'm assuming you're really happy with it. It looks incredible. Yeah. Man, look it. at that. So yeah. that last scene you had, it looked like you had tube yeah. lights between the windows. Right, right. And uh, they're on right now because it's pretty, uh, it's pretty low light today. And um, it's just, just a way to kind of add a little bit more of that natural light in. And when I have a day like this where it's pretty cloudy and pretty dim and, and uh, lets me extend the day so um, and work into the night a little bit. Yeah, that's it's nice smart. because light is coming from the windows, and so it's allowing that same effect of the natural light coming in. Is it yeah. like LEDs, like high CRI LED strips, or what is it? Yes, yes, they are, and they're 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 on a switch where I can dim them, and then I can also change the color temperature. So I can change, you know, obviously cool or or warm on the on the temperature of the lights, and and so they're they're very fancy light that I put in. 
I wonder, sometimes, you know, you kind of like over-engineer it thinking you're going to use it in a, in a really awesome way. And then, and then you have it and you realize you only use like part of what it's capable of doing. So yeah, I wonder if there's maybe too much that I put in, but I think they're awesome. They're awesome lights. So what don't and, you yeah, use? Yeah, nice color rating. So if I were to build something like it, what, what didn't you use? What didn't I use? What didn't you use? Well, so I, just, I could, I mean, the know. color temperature I use, and it, they also, this is the, the, type of light that I put in is fine light. It's F-I-N-E-L-I-T-E. And it's it's made for like classrooms and businesses to like, for like to help your um, like students and stuff with their, their learning as far as like light relating to like how you, your mood or, or your kind of like a cooler light will calm you down during the day or, or, or I, no, right. I think it's the opposite. Warmer light calms you down and then, a, and, the, and then like a, a cooler light wakes you up or something like that. And so um, they actually have a daylight sensor on here that will like sense the light and then adjust. But I haven't even what? set that up. Yeah, they do? It's, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. But I haven't even I haven't set that part of of it because I just haven't needed it. And it even has like an app where you can adjust it on your phone and stuff. And I've never used that too. So huh? Yeah. But in north, but those are north windows, right? So isn't the temperature pretty consistent anyway? Yeah, it's pretty consistent, but. Um, especially this time of year when it's four o'clock and it's dark, you know, it's nice to have the lights and, and still have a similar light that's coming onto my canvas when I'm, when I'm painting. Right. No, I yeah. mean the color temperature. It's oh, color temperature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I've noticed even throughout the year, it, it just a little bit. Sometimes it's a little bit warmer in the, in the summer or, you know, colder in the winter. And so I adjust the temperature just a little bit. I think I think ideally all you're trying to do in the studio setting is just keep your light consistent. So if if you don't have natural light, you just want to have a light that's um, like you mentioned earlier, high CRI, so that it, you can really see the, your colors. But you want to keep that light in your studio consistent and always right. the same. Right. So that's what that's what I was trying to do with this. Is just keep my light the same. Yeah. Hmm. Man, and what's the square footage of it? Uh, this is this is about sixteen hundred square feet. Okay. Including, yeah, with the upstairs, of course. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, David Dibble just built a studio, right? Same size, yeah. 1600. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been in the studio. He's got a, he's, he's done a wonderful job with it. Has he's he? He's got, my, this is an existing space, so this is concrete floor here, but he's got an easel where it goes into the floor, and, and um, I know a lot of artists have that. I've seen that Kong Ho has one like that, that he designed and built, and so that you can kind of paint on the top of it. You've got an awesome setup with your easel where similar idea where you can move yeah. around. And, yeah. yeah, I'm in the same boat. I can't go into the ground. Like he, so he literally went into yeah. the ground. But the well, new, I mean, he had into the basement, right? Oh, he has a basement. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, so he cut through the floor. Yeah, where I couldn't, I might've done something like that, but this was, this was already here and I just, Got it. So the footprint was here, right? And and we gutted it down to the four walls, and then and then used what I had from there. Yeah, and I think Josh Clare did something like that too, where he has one that goes into the basement. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. and so these are all Utah artists for the listeners, and right, right. <laughs> we're all keeping right. tabs on, on each other's <laughs> studios. It's like some yeah, people, we're... some people compete over their shoes. We compete over studios. <laughs> Right. That's right. We do. We do. We're always bragging about our studios. Yeah, we love our studios. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's, I was thinking before we got on, I've known you for what, like, I don't know, has it been 20 years, 10 years, 15? What has it been? It's probably been, 
It's probably been 15 years. Yeah. yeah. And I've never actually sat down and actually gotten your story. I know bits and pieces. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to kind of, you know, get your whole background. So let's start with that. Tell me where you came from and how okay. you decided to get into art. Well, I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a small town in Wyoming and, um, uh, Northern Wyoming. And, uh, I guess my, my story as an artist was that, uh, I guess I kind of always knew that I would get into art at some point. Um, but I didn't really take it serious growing up. And, um, I kind of, my first experience with art, my mom likes to brag that, uh, that I, um, that I, that when I, I don't know, I was probably two or three, I won a coloring contest for awesome. coloring a, a green Santa Claus. <laughs> and, and I think, I think that, um, kind of in my mind as a, as a, as a young kid saying, told me that I was an artist, you know, mm -hmm. and in reality, it was, it was my mom said that, uh, that I, I painted a green or I colored in a green Santa Claus because my brothers were using all the red. So, <laughs> Yeah. But then I, I was just, I was just thinking about that. And I was like, well, I was in a small town. I won this coloring contest, but how many kids, I mean, there's maybe a, maybe a thousand people in the town I grew up in, yeah. maybe a little more, but uh, how many kids were actually in this coloring contest? You know, I probably won just because I was the only one that entered, but still it was, it was, the, it's what kind of motivated me growing up. But I think mainly my, my two older brothers um, were into art in high school and, um, you know, as, as, um, uh, you know, just with siblings, I looked up to my old, older brother. So I was always trying to like, be like them and do what they did. And, um, and so they, you know, they're, they're now software engineers, so they're not even, Oh, no kidding. At all. But, but growing up, I remember seeing, especially my older brother, like he was really good. And I was like, Oh, I want to be like that. I want to be as good as him. And, and I see that, I see that in my kids now, my, um, my youngest is just, you know, I have three boys. My youngest just like he, everything that my middle child does. My youngest is, is wants to do or, or, <laughs> or, you know, is trying to be like, and so that was my motivation, but I, I didn't do any painting. I, I drew quite a bit growing up, but I didn't do any painting until I got to college. I think I did one painting in high school and that was it. And then I, and then, um, um, I got to college. Uh, I served a mission for the for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and and after after I got home, I um uh, I, I I was thinking of leaving, coming to Utah, but I thought for whatever reason I should stay close nearby. And there was a community college there, about twenty minutes away from where I grew up. I never, you know, growing up there, I kind of wanted to get out, and I didn't want to be in that, in that small rural area. So I never really thought that I was going to go to that school. Mm -hmm. And, and for whatever reason, I decided I, I'm just going to stick around. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, go there. I'm going to, I'm going to study there. And so I took art classes there and I met my professor, um, John Jarizzo, and he's the one that really inspired me to be a painter. Like he, um, he, it wasn't really fundamentals that I learned from him. It was more of like just the excitement and the love of art. I mean, he loved everything about the Renaissance and, and I knew a little bit about, you know, you know, some of the, you know, some of the history of art, not really, because I just didn't really take it that serious when I was in school. High school for me was high school art was maybe most people have a lot of experience, the same experience as me was 
you just you just grab something from the National Geographic and you took it in the back room and you put it on the projector and you traced it and then you and then you colored it in. I didn't really have any type of training, but when I got to college, that's when when I really was, my eyes were open to art. And um, at the time, you know, this was in the mid '90s. I didn't really think that that being a studio painter was was a real viable career. Did you so even know I, what it was? I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. I, I thought I would go into commercial art. I, I thought, I thought, you know, at the time, commercial art, because, you know, computers and, and doing anything mm -hmm. um, on was still kind of in the beginning stage. And so, um, so I, yeah, so I thought I would do something along those lines. And so I remember even taking some graphic design classes and that was my plan to do graphic design. But then I met this teacher and, and actually this painting, this painting over here, or, Am I looking at the wrong right? I'm like backwards. On I know this. everything's backwards. <laughs> uh, right here, right, here we go. Okay. This painting right here is the portrait of my mentor that I'm talking about, John Derizzo. He he, when I took his classes, it was just like he just kind of embodied the whole idea of the art spirit. You know that book by Robert Kendrick. Like mm -hmm. that was his manual for the for the course was you know read this and 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 he kind of lives that spirit and so it really excited me to be a painter but i didn't really know how that would would really work out for me um becoming a painter i wanted to but in the back of my mind i i kind of thought i would go into graphic design so did which he I introduce you to the actual career of painter or it just got you excited about art in general just art in general i mean okay. in, in college classes it wasn't it wasn't anything like okay here's here's how you become a uh you know the the practical aspect of becoming a painter it was all just like we love art and you know and he, you know this is the first experience i had with like figure drawing and, and like life drawing and uh anything like that and um it was awesome and so that was that was really fun just to try to become good at what i'm doing you know to become a good draftsman and, and um there really wasn't anything about the business side or, or how i'm going to make a career as an artist it was really just, you know, the love of, of painting and the love of drawing. And Dude, um, I got to cut you off before you take it any further, because this is, this is cracking me up. Our stories what, are so that? unbelievably similar. I didn't grow up in a our small, stories? our stories. I didn't grow up in a wow. small town. Yeah. But other than that, I grew up in New York, as you know, but, um, yeah, I uh, won a drawing contest and won Bartman Valley circus tickets for my family when I was eight. And then I never really took okay. art and it, and it totally boosted my confidence, but I never took art again until college and never painted until college and had a similar experience where I had a teacher that got me excited about art, but I still didn't know what painting was or what a career in painting was. I, so I went into illustration, like it's like, exact same path it's like, it's it's like the same dude yeah but but you know and and we're similar ages right mm -hmm. um and so so in the mid-90s i mean the internet was was just starting so um i didn't know anything about ateliers or or yeah any type of classical study i didn't know anything about that and i'm i'm kind of glad i didn't in a sense that um that i kind of found my own path um, cause if I would have had those, I might've like, that would have been exactly where I went. And I don't know if I would be on the same trajectory right now, if, if I had, so I'm, I'm kind of lucky, I think that, yeah. that, that kind of turned out that way. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Did your parents support 
you're going into art? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, um, yeah, they were very, they're very supportive of it, but I look back and I I don't know why they were really supportive. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Especially yours were in a small town. You would think they'd be really blue collar. Maybe they expected, I don't know. I don't know why, but, but, uh, my mom and my, my dad were always very excited about and, and very proud. My dad today is still always very proud about what I'm doing and, 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 excited to tell the neighbors or whoever whoever will talk to him you know about what i'm doing so well now you're um, now you're successful but in the beginning was he that way right from the beginning or i think so i think so and no they were never against it they were never against it i they yeah oh there's where Um, our lives are different my parents pushed me they were they were freaked out that i was going into art really oh yeah freaked out no, my, my parents seem to seem to always just give us kids a lot of freedom when it hmm. came to what we were doing and and not a lot of like, you know, you just go find, just go kind of find your own way, do whatever, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the joke is, though, that that uh, <clears throat> that my parents are most proud of me, but my but my brothers are the ones to make the most money, you know. Um, so they're, always, they're always, yeah, they make way with doing software, you know, program programmers that yeah they make way way more money yeah yeah but you got a great job <laughs> you got an awesome job oh yeah i mean i did the i did the office job for um oh man 10 years 10 11 years and, and i am so blessed and fortunate that that i don't have to do that anymore oh so this is something i didn't know about you okay so when yeah. i first discovered you it was at the springville museum and you think you had a painting of doubting thomas does oh, that ring a bell yeah. it was and i looked at it and i had recently thomas. done a painting of doubting thomas and i was looking at your painting and thinking man this guy's good and it was probably was it doubting thomas or was it like a like a, a tarn feather scene or something like that i had that in springville a long time ago it wasn't doubting thomas it might have been a tarn feather scene i just remember thought it was Doubting you Thomas. Just, have you, you not just done that done, painting? No, I haven't done a Doubting Thomas painting. It must have been the tar and feather. I kind of based on Caravaggio, like, you know, because my, my professor or my first teacher was, was, you know, loves Caravaggio. And so I did some oh, kind of Oh, so was it, could it have been a tar, the tar and feather was based on Caravaggio? Yeah. Based oh, on that's why I'm mixing it up. Brown, lots of like, you know, lots of light and dark shapes. But I remember you had done a tar and feather scene fairly right at the same time no see we're getting mixed up i did the doubting thomas i never did a tar and feather scene well you did one where where like joseph is talking to the mob right yeah yeah i did that yeah yeah and they have that that. it was similar yeah anyway i saw that painting and uh i i was really curious about who you were at the time and i'd heard that you were studying with bill whitaker oh wow so that was my first exposure exposure to you but I don't want to jump ahead, though. So you were studying. Oh, okay. You were studying in your hometown at this college, right? So what happens next? Well, it's a two-year college, so um, I thought the next step was let's go to BYU and uh, and study there. So I wasn't smart enough to get in on my grades, but uh, I was kind of uh, my application. I was like one of those where if somebody drops out, we'll let you in. I don't know what it's called, but that's kind of mm-hmm. that was kind of my. Uh, how, uh, you, you know, how my application went to BYU, but then I applied for a scholarship 
in the art department at BYU and I got the scholarship, which automatically got me into the school. Wow. And so, um, so I came, I came down here to Provo and, and, um, and yeah, was, was came, came here to finish my, my degree. And, and, um, I went into the, the studio program thinking at that point, like, oh, oh no, man, I just, I just really want to be a studio painter. Yeah. And, and I, and I want, you know, but I love traditional painting cause that's, you know, that's realism. That's, that's where I want to be. And so, um, I went in the studio thinking that illustration wasn't going to be for me. And I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they didn't want anything to do with realism. And, um, I was doing these paintings where, again, I was telling you about like, and they were large paintings, like three by four feet paintings of Caravaggio, where I was like modernizing Caravaggio paintings of, instead of like Peter writing in a book, it was like typing on a computer or things like that with like the angels in the background. And I was proud of these paintings and they just tore them apart. They didn't, because for whatever reason, they just weren't, um, they weren't, they were too realistic. And yeah, and so I, I did have a, a few professors that were really great there. Like Bruce Smith was awesome. Um, but I didn't really feel like I, I didn't get that, that same excitement for art that I did for my, you know, when I first started studying in college. And so I, I, I got discouraged and I, I just got my degree and got out of there. I didn't go into the, into the, Oh, you never program. did do illustration. No, no, I didn't. I, I, um, I took, I took some illustration classes. But then I just didn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was You got a degree like, from the studio department? I had no idea. Studio department, yeah. And wow. I, didn't, I, didn't apply, I didn't apply for the BFA. Uh, I, just, I just got my degree. And then at the same time, I, uh, around that same time when I graduated, I got married. So I needed money. I needed a job. And so um, I took a job as a graphic designer at a software company. And I did that for 10 years. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. You must have been painting yeah, we, too at the same time. Yeah, but it was it wasn't very much. It was yeah. it was just a little bit here and there. Um, um, but really, I, you were a huge inspiration for me, by the way. Oh, um, that's nice of you. When I was doing that 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 uh, software job, it was probably maybe like two thousand five ish. I think was the first time I saw your work, mm-hmm. and I came across it on a website, and and uh, saw that you were like doing it you were you were like making it as a as a painter and i was like oh well jeff can do this maybe maybe i can do this you know mm-hmm, what i mean mm-hmm. um and and i and it was really inspired me inspiring to me to see like your paintings and how you were taking um you know and kind of modernizing this this idea of realism with the fact the way you treated the shadows and and the, the colored glasses and the, you know that kind of that mm-hmm. kind of time on those type of paintings it was really inspiring to me and so i that kind of like got me excited i don't know why that that was maybe it's just because yeah we were the same age yeah and you were doing it and I was like, oh that's kind of cool and that kind of inspired me to to go after it and start painting again because so i think i had i had stopped painting altogether for like three or four years like, i don't think i, I had really no painted. idea holy cow but then but then i took a workshop from from bill whitaker and um and uh that was huge because this that was the first time i was really like um i really i really learned like the craft of of painting right Mm -hmm. i really like bill um came from a time when uh when 
you know, everything with modernism, right? He wanted to do this classical realism, um, you know, and and he didn't know, he didn't have any resources to do it. So he had to figure it all out. And because he had to figure it all out, he knew how to teach it. And so I learned a lot from, from Bill. And then um, just in this, in this one, you know, it was like a five-day workshop. I learned so much. And then I contacted him privately and asked him if I could study with him. And, um, and so I ended up studying with him for about a year and a half, maybe two years, where I would just take one day a week. I would take one day off of off work each week and go up to his studio and, and work with him. Mm-hmm. And that that was kind of my first step into getting into to becoming a full-time painter. So, no kidding. And then didn't you study with him kind of long-term? Um, that was that was about as long as, we, as I studied with him. Once I... Because uh, my last studio in, in Pleasant Grove, Utah, um, well, I had just finished it. And when I finished the studio, that's when I was kind of stopped working with Bill as much. And it wasn't like formally with, with, with Bill. Bill and his students was more of like an apprenticeship. It was you come and, and work with him and, and, you know, and he answers all your questions. He really kind of helped me with just kind of the idea of becoming a full-time artist and and really what it looked like to be a full-time painter and what that, what all that entails, you know. But in exchange, we as apprentices would then do work for him around the studio, you know, mow the lawn, you know, those kind of things, pick up things. And, and mm-hmm. um, so that was, that was really beneficial and, and really helpful just to kind of see what he, what, you know, what his colors he's using on his palette and stuff. Cause I didn't really know about any of that stuff. And, and it's just things that I had picked up along the way. And after, after Bill, it was really a huge learning curve of then I was um, just, you know, going out and, and, and reading all these books and, and learning about how to, the craft of painting, right? Reading all these books. Yeah, yeah. It cracks me up because that's just not how it's done anymore. Everything's online. But it's the same yeah, thing. Online. I lived in Barnes Well, and I guess it started... Yeah, I started getting more online as as I was as I was growing and developing, and then and then you know there's other artists here in Utah that you know have studied academically that that I you know that I pick their brains and 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 kind of grab some knowledge from them, and and it's just this idea of community which is really nice mm-hmm. and learn so much from that. Yeah, yeah, you know it's funny you should mention that. I recently interviewed Max Ginsburg, and I'm going to post his in a couple of weeks. But um, oh, okay. But toward the end of the discussion, I don't remember if he brought it up or if I did. But he asked me why there are so many good artists in Utah, <laughs> and uh, I had a theory. I want to run this by you, but I also want to run okay. by a theory that I was just with uh, Governor Cox of Utah last night. The oh, governor wow. of Utah, yeah, and. I asked him this question and he has a different theory. I want to run both theories by you and see what your thoughts are. Cause you must've thought about this because for those who don't know, people literally come to Utah to scout for artists and yeah. which is mind blowing because there's only 3 million people in this entire state. And well, and it's interesting too, because I, I don't think there's a lot of art support when it comes to collectors in Utah. No, I don't, that's the I don't other know about weird you, thing but- about it. I don't sell any of my work in the state of Utah. I mean, maybe I can't say none, but not, yeah, not, not. Well, yeah. And I can't say none either, but, but 
but a very, very small amount of work that I actually sell. Yeah, so I know. It's not like the collector base that's supporting it. No. Um, well, here's my theory. Right, yeah. And then here's Governor Cox's theory. I hope he doesn't mind that I share okay. it. So okay. my theory is that back in the 70s, when there was, when all the rest of the country was really in deep into postmodernism. Yeah. We had Alvin Gittins teaching at the University of Utah, who was an English artist yes. that they brought into the University of Utah. And we had Doug Snow, who was more of an abstract artist, but he had an academic foundation. Right. And but most mostly Alvin Gittins. And he was a world renowned portrait painter. His portraits are all over Salt Lake, as you know. Yes. And yes. Uh, they're they're incredible. Anyway, he taught people like Bill Whitaker, Randall Lake. Uh, I think he taught Bonnie Paselli. I'm not sure, but a couple other, a few others that are really great painters. And then you and I are the next yeah. generation under those painters. And for me personally, even though I never studied with Bill or Randall, both of them influenced me. And I know at least Bill influenced you. Oh, absolutely. In a sense yeah. that even if they didn't teach us a ton, they, they gave us something to reach for that. And they were local and they inspired us. Yeah. At least they did yeah. me. So my feeling is, well, that's why there are so many, because when no one else had someone to look up to, we had this sort of little stew boiling here in Utah way back in the 70s that was building a generation after generation of realists. That's what I've always thought. But Governor Cox said something different, and I thought, man, there might be something to that. He said... What did he say? He said that... No, it was good. It was good. He said that Utah is unique. Well, first of all, Utah has one of the best economies, actually the best economy in the country. Yeah. And and it's got, it's like the best of, it's got like 50 different, on 50 different criteria, it's the best, he said. I mean, it's, it is an incredible state. But yeah. he equated all of the success in Utah and all these different fields, because it's not just art, to community. He said that what creates community here in Utah is the way Brigham Young set it up, where he, he said, okay, everyone's going to live in the cities and they're going to farm outside the cities. Everyone's mm -hmm. going to meet in a congregation, because as everyone mm -hmm. watching this knows, Utah is a Mormon state, right? right. Meet in a congregation right. in their geographic area. So by default, he's creating community. The rest of the country, you go to the church you're, where you want yeah. to go, right? Yeah. And and uh, and then that's the way it's been for 150 years. But while the rest of the country is community is falling apart because people are leaving their religions, people are yeah. are bouncing around from place to place, and they're not in their they're not going in their little geographic areas like we do here in Utah. Yeah, communities are sort of broken and and fragmented. Whereas here they're still strong. And he says that if that community that builds success and he also said that there that there's actually been research on this and utah has a unique quality in that there's two mindsets in the world there's one there's the scarcity mindset where if 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 casey childs is successful jeff hine loses and in utah mm -hmm. it's we have the mindset in general obviously there are going to be exceptions but and like i said he said there's research on this that in Utah, generally speaking, the the attitude is if Casey's successful, Jeff is successful. Yeah, Bill you know, said a number of times. He said, "There's enough room for everybody. We don't need oh, to be." Bill was so generous. Always, My gosh, 
Yeah. When he got the governor's award like 10 years ago, I was there and he Where talked about my art on the pulpit. He That's was easy. talking about how great of an artist I am. I'm like, I was kind of embarrassed, but also incredibly flattered. And, yeah. but that's the kind of guy he was. He, he was not, he was just like, what about, what about the artists in the audience? Yeah, you know, he and he's getting the governor's the award. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious. So what do you think, what you think of those two theories? Well, I think, I think you're absolutely right. But I remember you saying a few years back that, uh, and I remember you saying this to Bill, cause I was there was that, you know, in, in, you know, over in Italy, you know, you know, the Renaissance started in Florence because of this, this one, you know, this, the, the Medici's and, and, um, and I really think like along the same lines that you said is that, uh, you know, Bill having this lineage and, and this, this, um, uh, inspiration from Alvin Giddens, you know, then kind of carried that torch of, of just bringing in all these artists and really teaching this idea of representational painting and, and, um, having it grow here in this area. So he's kind of that idea of the Renaissance of realism mm -hmm. here in this area was it kind of in a, in a way, like the way you're talking about it centers around bill. Yeah. What do you think about that community idea? Cause that was new to me oh, last I, night. I think absolutely. Um, because I feel like at any moment I can call up any of these artists around here and ask them questions. I mean, I just was on the phone the other day with David Dibble and, and talking to him about, uh, stuff I'm working on because I'm, this latest, these latest paintings I'm doing, I'm, I'm incorporating a lot of landscape, which I'm normally, you know, my, my wheelhouse has been interior lighting studio, you know, you know, really kind of control lighting. And so now I'm trying to figure out the landscape to like include into these paintings and, and it's, it's a whole nother thing. And so talking with Dave and, and other artists in the area and, and I can just, you know, they're there for me to, to talk to, which I think, I think anybody, because when I was talking to, to, Dave, he was talking to Tim Lawson and I'm like, oh, wow, you're talking to, to T. Allen Lawson. That's, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, but so a lot, many artists are really generous with their time, but I just feel like uh, around here, there's, you know, and we even get together and paint together and stuff. And it, and it seems like there is that, that community, I think yeah. so. But I think it all started with Bill. Um, I don't, I don't know how much that community was happening while Bill was still trying to figure everything out. And he was, kind of growing up as an artist, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's kind of wild. Nonetheless. But I think that idea of everything kind of geographically, I think that's, I haven't really thought about that, but I think that is an, an a really interesting idea that, that yeah. just this community around here and, and coming together, this idea of congregations and yeah. Yeah. I because it's right. not just art. That's the point he made. It's tech. It's, yeah. it's all kinds of businesses just thrive here. All kinds yeah. of entrepreneurs thrive here. So, yeah, yeah he makes a valid Yeah, point. and it is an entrepreneur uh, spirit that is that is around here that uh, um, I have a lot of that in my own family, which was very inspiring to me to be say I could do it on my own and, and, and make a business of what I want to do, you know? Yeah. I have an uncle who started a very successful software company. Um, and so I think that in the back of my mind is an inspiration that, oh, hey, I can I can go do my own thing too. You know. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's something to think about. I mean, I've already I've thought about it plenty, as you know, because like you said, right. we talked about it with Bill before he passed, which is yeah. aw awful sad. That last night it was very, interesting. Very sad. Yeah, to yeah. think about that again. But okay, yeah. so you okay. went to BYU, you had your yes. job, and then you yes. started studying with Bill, 
How yeah. did you make that transition? Because you had a family <laughs> and everything. How did you make that transition from? Yeah, because uh, I had I had two boys at the time that I that I became. I decided to be a full time painter. Um, people ask me that story all the time, and it's really interesting, and it's not one I recommended anybody to do. But um, I wanted to. I wanted to because I had a great job with great benefits. I wanted to keep the insurance, and so um, I and I wanted to keep studying with Bill with more times during the week. So I um, wanted to see if I could make this transition into being a full-time painter by working part-time at my job. And so I went to my boss and said, you know, can I, you know, can I work part-time? And he said, well, let me think about it. And he comes back to me and says, we want to make you the art director, which oh, meant no. more time at work. <laughs> and, uh, and so I really felt like I was at this crossroads of what am I going to do? Should I, should I, should I stay this path or should I go this other direction? And, and um, it was really a hard decision, but in the end I decided, uh, and with the support of my wife, I should say, I mean, she, she was very, you know, obviously apprehensive, but, but supportive at the same time. And, and we decided to do it. Luckily we had a little, a little bit of money that we could kind of be okay to just say, okay. And I quit my job and I went for it. Oh, so you didn't go part-time. You just quit altogether. I told him I'm, I'm done. And I, and I, oh man, good for you. This episode is brought to you in part by Rosemary brushes. If you're one of my listeners, who's a professional artist, you're already using Rosemary brushes, but for the rest of you, come on, take your work a little more seriously. Stop buying the other brands. It's just not worth it. Every now and then you may get lucky and buy a good brush from another brand, but use the brand that professionals like myself are using go to rosemaryandco.com link in the description or the show notes and get yourself some quality brushes before your next painting but it's funny because in the first the first year maybe even two years my wife was like she would kind of gently say to me like you know if this doesn't work you're gonna go back to graphic design right you know like you know <laughs> yeah. you know but uh, but nowadays she doesn't say that you know and um and it was really interesting when I first started. Um, you you kind of you kind of get known for what you do, and and so all my work I felt like in my first year, not all of it, but a majority of it that I was doing was doing graph design for people because they, that's what they knew me as. But then the more I started, be, you know, doing paintings and getting known as as uh, as an artist, as a painter, then um, then the work that came to me was for. Um, was was for painting and not not graphic design oh so you when you quit you just moved right into freelance graphic design without yeah, asking not, for not it. intentionally not, not intentionally, intentionally. Okay. i was just kind of taking whatever whatever work would come my way right yeah but the work coming at me was freelance graphic design right yeah yeah and that's the but, part i knew about you i knew you did freelance graphic design at some point i did yeah, yeah. and that was only just just to keep going doing this as a painter right right to pay the bills and how long did it yeah. take for that to sort of disappear the, the the graphic design jobs it took it took about probably two or three years okay that to really really just nobody asked me to do graphic design anymore except maybe family yeah you know yeah somebody needs some website or something so and when was this about when when did the graphic design fizzle out about what year was this um, I would say it was, it was right. It was, man, timing in my career has been, has been amazing. And, um, it's, it's what's kept me going. It's really awesome. Um, I left in 2009 cause I remember my youngest was two years old 
So I left my graphic design job in 2009. And then about 2011- After the recession or was that the middle of the recession? That was after the recession, right? Right after the recession. So I don't know what I was thinking. I just kind of like, let's go for it. And uh, being young and dumb, I did it. And, um, and, And so about 2011 is, I think that's when it was in, in Portrait Society. I won an award at Portrait Society mm-hmm. um, for like a certificate of excellence, and um, it was about that time that I started kind of winning awards that the graphic design started going away, and so that really propelled me because once I won some awards, then some galleries were interested in what I was doing, and I was starting sending them work, and um, I was really fortunate because then the economy was was recovering at that time, and um, and then I was selling work. And, and then I was, and in the meantime, I was doing portrait commissions and, um, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, I, I, I mainly went into portraits. I, I, I love paint people just, um, that's kind of always been my interest, but I think a lot of it, portrait commissions, I saw that Bill Whitaker was doing it. So I saw that as, as a, as a way to, to make it as an artist. So mm-hmm. that was, that was, that was kind of the influence there. So do you feel like the awards had a direct impact on uh, impact on your success? I think so. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I think so. I did, I did a painting. Um, well, the funny thing is, is, is in 2009, the, the moment I, I decided to leave my graphic design job, I had this inspiration, this idea to paint, um, this, uh, religious scene mm-hmm. and, um, um, of the, this painting that is now hanging in the, in the Church History Museum up in Salt Lake of um, the, uh, the martyrdom of Joseph Smith and and great and, painting Hiram in Carthage Jail where where you have the mob on one side of the of the wall and, and uh, them in the room yeah. and um, I I was I had this this idea to paint this painting and and I went for it I mean the moment that summer I went out to I went out to Carthage in Illinois and and researched the painting there it is right there and researched this painting this is a big painting it's um, especially at that time, you know, it's uh, nine feet wide, five feet tall, not as big as your paintings, Jeff, but <laughs> it's, it's still big. It's still, still big, big. Yeah. And, um, I just had this, and I had this inspiration to, to paint this and I really don't know why, because it was monumental painting. Who's going to buy a, a huge painting from, from somebody that's, that's that nobody knows of, but I really felt like I needed to paint this. And I remember thinking when I was when I was working on it, I thought, "Who wants this painting? It's a it's a photo of some people being shot and killed, mm-hmm. uh, not a photo, but painting of people being shot and killed." And, and who wants this painting? But I really felt like I needed to do it, and so I painted the right side of that painting, the people inside the room, and I put it in a show, and uh, a local show here in in Springville at um, it was the in salon. The, the spring salon, or I think it was a related show, but still, okay. it won, it won the uh, place award. Which, which, then, which place? You cut out for a sec. It won, it won the first place award. It did just and, half of it. Uh, did just half of it because wow. I had half of it finished and it, it won. And so, and then there was another show that was happening up in Salt Lake um, right after this. And I put it in that show and it was the LDS art competition. Mm-hmm. And it won like People's Choice, and they, and then the the curator at the time, Rita Wright, um, came to me and said, "We want to purchase this painting," and I said, "Great," because I intended to be a diptych. I want to paint the other half, and so they commissioned me to finish the painting, 
which then gave me that boost of money and momentum to kind of keep going. And then once I finished this painting, um, I ended up a few years later, excuse me, doing, doing a portrait of um, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. And, and they told me, they said, he looked at this painting here and said, um, I think there it is right there. He said, he said, well, if he can paint that painting, he can paint me. So that gave me, you know, it's just kind of that, that kind of snowballing effect that, that happened that, that just, um, and again, for whatever reason, I decided to paint that painting. I just felt really strongly about it. And mm. going back to that uh, martyrdom painting, I think it was just this idea of the strong, strong design and, and, and uh, going back to my graphic design, kind of spending all those years doing that. Um, I just like the idea of these big diagonals going against each other. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so these the strong diagonals, what I was thinking, the diagonal of, of the men pushing against the room and the other diagonal of, of the mob coming. But then it then it really turned into this whole this whole if you go back on the website and go back to that page, um, there's a whole section. Sorry, go to the historical religious again. And right there it says creating greater 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 love hath no man right uh, right at the very top. Mm -hmm. And those words right above it go above go up go up a little bit. Oh right here, up. yeah. Um, so scroll down. So it really turned into this whole thing where, um, where I was really like trying to make it as accurate as I possibly could and trying to really make this painting to the point where I built walls in my studio. I built I know, I remember this, dude. You, I was thinking yes, this guy's hardcore. I really wanted this feeling of like them being in that room. What did it look like if they were all crowded together? And look at and you, you're a baby. What's that? Look at you, man. You're a baby. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice black beard there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, no longer. Yeah, it's all gray now. Um, but uh, but I think by putting all that effort into just really making it authentic has really made that that made that painting what it is and really propelled me in, into, into, you know, kind of where I am now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty. Yeah. Pretty that's intense. intense. Yeah. I remember following you when you were doing this and thinking, yeah, this guy's doing yeah. it right. You're doing it. I mean, cause you're right. How else would you create that feeling of weight without really just building Yeah, and I look set? back at this and I like, well, could I have done this? Could I have used 3d now today? Could I, have, cause my oldest son is, um, is like a computer genius and, and he, he, he wants to get into like, uh, um, kind of like movie kind of effects and those kind of things when it comes to 3D. So he could have built me this this whole set, but I don't know if I would have been able to get the same effects. I actually had the mob kind of the men that I dressed up in 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 costumes and everything run up the stairs and push on that door and and you know as I was shooting it, getting my reference. Um, yeah, there's sort of a randomness about real life because if it's 3D, yeah. you're forced to yeah. direct every last movement and right. you don't have an opportunity to let real people do what real people do. Just the subtle mannerisms, just the things yes. you don't expect. Yes, yes, exactly. Hmm. So so it was it was that painting I felt like really gave me a boost. And and then um, and then I was selling in galleries and and. Um, and and that was really helpful and then i started you know um winning some more awards won some more awards with porch society which then kind of you know 
gives you a little bit of name recognition. And, yeah. And, then the and reason I are. asked that is because I didn't start even applying to art contests until I was 15 years into my career. Because so how, I, did you, how did you make it then? I mean, I know you had a school pretty early on, right? Where you were teaching. Yeah, no, this, well, I mean, I just taught. I've had my school, I'm going to put quotes here. I yeah. say since 2002, but it's okay. evolved dramatically. It didn't look like this yeah. in 2002, but that's how every business is. It started out just a class in my studio twice a week. That's how it started. Oh, okay. And then it evolved okay. into the Hein Atelier as it is today. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always taught and, but the teaching is always just paid for the studio. So, so has it been mainly like, like portrait, like, like were you, you were just selling all your work privately. Then? I got, I got really lucky and I had a, I had, again, this isn't about me, but I'll just briefly say, I had a scholarship from a really generous man named Howard Clark who came to the university of Utah. I was a senior um. at the time. And okay. he picked two students that he thought had potential to, and to, and he gave them, gave us both 1500 bucks, which for me at the time was a lot of money yeah, and said, like yeah, it was enough to yeah. buy materials to paint for a year. And then at the yeah. end of the year, he would pay for and arrange a two person show. It was usually just oh, a wow. one man show or one person show, but this year he wanted two of us. Cause there was a, this guy was a really good landscape painter. And obviously I did the figurative stuff. And then he lined up this show at the end of the year. I still hadn't graduated because I would, my credits were off and okay. it was with Williams fine art and my career just took off from that day of the show. Just, and that's when I first saw your work was Williams was fine it? art. Yeah, yeah. I had more yeah. work than I can handle from that day on. I never graduated because I never had time to go back to school. Oh, really? But really? the reason I ask you about the awards is because my, you know, I always tell my students to go for these contests go for awards, but it's not my own experience. Cause when I, when I started receiving awards from doing contests, I didn't see any uptick in business at all. Okay. And I just, I don't, I wasn't sure if that was due to, but I didn't need an uptick in business. Things are fine. Right. But, but I wasn't sure if that was due to the fact that I already had an established career. And so the people that might've seen me already had already, were already familiar or yeah. if it was because awards have no effect. So that's why I asked the question. It sounds yeah. like they do have effect. Well, I mean, I don't know if I could, I could see it directly either, but I, I do think they have an effect, but I also, as an artist, I don't think that you can take them too, what's the word? Maybe, maybe too seriously in a sense that uh, you can't let a, let a competition make or break you because emotionally, um, yeah, I was I mean. in competitions, but I'm still, I'm still working. I'm still like, I'm still producing. And I think, I think that's the main thing is you just, you got to keep going and keep working. And, and, um, and, and I think it's your body at work. That's really going to, to prove your success or not, you know? Yeah. 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 I think you're right. 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 Cause I just, I just think sometimes the competitions, like sometimes people can get discouraged competitions, but, but also if you're entering competition, even if you don't win, you're still being seen by and and being noticed by those people looking at your work, right? Yeah, that's the key because you and I both know that these competitions can one year you can, in fact, we've heard this story. I can't remember. Yes. Uh, Michael Shane Neal said this about someone else. If you remember who it was, tell me, I can't remember. 
but about how this this artist submitted a painting one year it got completely rejected and then three years later he submitted the same painting to the same contest and it won the grand prize right and so yeah the point of the story is you can't take these things too seriously as you put it but what they do for you it appears is they just get your name out there. So if you if you win right. a contest, it doesn't mean you're the bee's knees, and if you lose, it doesn't mean you suck. But but if you right. win, it does put you in a magazine. It does get publicity, so it's a business bonus, you might yeah, say. Because, yeah, because yeah, if somebody sees your name printed, it gives you this kind of validity, you know, right. that all of a sudden, like, like you know, that makes you makes you feel makes you look like you're some you're some kind of great artist, right? Right. I still don't think I'm a, I'm a great artist. I, 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 I feel completely honored that you want to talk to me. I kind of feel like I'm like one of the little kids going, you know, eating at the grown-ups table. <laughs> no you know, way, man. You're amazing. But, uh, but I, don't, I don't see myself as, as, as somehow made it. But at the same time, I think that name recognition of just being in it multiple times gives you this, this idea of now, oh, this guy is worth whatever I'm, you know. Yeah. Whatever, you know. Do you know how many artists I contact that say to me things like, I just don't feel like I can really talk about my art as though I'm a real artist or is from a, <laughs> or from the perspective of an actual artist or I don't see myself as an artist or I don't know if I really can take myself seriously enough on the podcast and and these yeah. people are amazing. It just happened this week. Right. I I'm not going to embarrass this person until I say who it is, even though it's yeah. a credit to their to their character. But I'm like, I said to her, I said to her, if if artists stunk, you'd smell so bad. My eyes were watering, <laughs> and she's <laughs> she was flattered by that strange compliment. But I was, <laughs> but it's true. She's so good, and she's like, I right. don't know. I'm not really. I don't see myself as a very good artist. I don't know if I really would feel good on a podcast. Like, it's amazing yeah. how it takes so long for us to see ourselves that way. Yeah, it is. Uh, but but I think we always need that that self doubt a little bit because that's what pushes us to get better. You know, yeah. what I mean, the moment like you think that I'm great and that I'm awesome, you plateaued and you're not going to get any better. Right. I think you need that humility to to push yourself. And it's that quote that. I think has been attributed to Degas. Was it was Degas? I don't know. I don't know who it was, but you know that that idea of like uh, the the um, oh, now I'm trying to, to remember the quote, but it's it's something like along the ideas that the the better I get, the less I know. You know, kind yeah. of thing. Like, and so um, it's it's just that idea that as you're growing and developing, you realize that there's that at one point, you know, early on, you thought, oh, I know everything about painting and this is it. And then as you're doing it, you realize there's so much more growth there. And I think that's where people get, get kind of not discouraged or anything, but sure, definitely get humbled a little bit. Painting humbles yeah. you every time because I, a uh, funny story, I was, I was doing the, um, um, I was doing the portfolio critiques at Portrait Society and I had one artist come and talk to me and I won't, I won't say her name because I don't know if it'll, it'll embarrass her, but but she was showing me these works and and they're all just like amazing, like little portraits and and um, still lifes. And as you know, as the expert there, I'm supposed to say something about her work, you know, to give her like advice. And and um, and I looked at him and I and, and I said to her, I said, 
these are amazing. What, what do you want me to say about these? Like, cause these really? are, these are better than what I could do. Wow. And she was like, well, she's like, the only question I is, I have is she's like, every time I start a painting, it just feels like it's so hard to do it. Oh and, my and gosh. I was like, and I was like, well, that's never going to go away. Every time I step in front of the easel, it's always hard. Like it's never a point where like, oh, this is easy. And when it does feel easy, it's usually you're probably you're probably screwing it up. Yeah, you know my daughter is studying with me. She's twenty now. Have you met Addie, my daughter Addie? I met her. I think yeah. I think oh, I met the her porch once. side. You probably yeah. met her. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So she's studying with me now, and she's been venting to me because she's been even though she's studying with me, she's going to. Uh, an institute class up at the University of Utah just to have a social life. So she's meeting all, all right. these kids that are actually going to the university and they all yeah. tease her. I mean, it's in love, I think, but there's always a little yeah. truth to this teasing. You know, she's sure. got friends who are going to medical school and various other things and they're all teasing her that, man, it must be nice to have such an easy, uh, an, an easy education. Yeah, and it's like they imagine yeah. her here just doodling and having fun all day long, and uh, I'd say, and one of her classmates here at the studio also attends with her. Yeah, and uh, according to Addie, I wasn't there. She said she got all defensive and said, "Well, my teacher, me, uh, told us a story, which is true, that he had a retired surgeon." take the curriculum and he said it was harder than medical school so there <laughs> and but it drives my daughter crazy because she people just assume that if you're good at art or if you have artistic talent it's just like playing all day long like it's not just it's the easy. artists that feel that way it's the it's the general public yeah no my my brothers tease me all the time that i'm just in here playing all day long I'm not, I'm, <laughs> it's I've so hard yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, my siblings love to tease me about this. Yeah, and yeah. as you know, I do lots of other things, right? And I and I'm assuming you do things too because you did a lot to your studio. But and yeah, it's like the leather work, the metal work, the building my oh, van, yeah. everything else was so easy compared to yeah. painting. And I've been painting for 20 years. No, absolutely. I mean, you're you're like a renaissance man. You can do way more than me. But I find myself looking for those jobs around the house to do because it's just that just seems like. There's an easy outcome. I, I know what that's going to look like when it's done. It's yeah. so hard painting. It's, it's so it's hard. It never gets easy. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And have you ever had that experience where you watch yourself? Because I know you've done a lot of demo videos where you yeah. watch yourself painting in a demo video and it's kind of surreal because you're like, whoa, it looks easy. But then you, rem <laughs> yes. but then you remember yeah. how painful it was to paint it. And yeah. it's this weird, surreal experience where you're outside of your body and experiencing what other people might experience watching you. And yeah. it's like, no, that's not how it was. It was, no, it wasn't like that. It wasn't easy. It looks easy, but it wasn't, it was hard to do. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, and uh, I don't know about you, but, um, I'll, I'll look at those, 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 those videos like that and think the same thing because, and, but I'll remember, and, and happens most of the time when I'm doing these, these sketches or these little portrait studies is that I don't like them the moment I finish them. But mm. when I step away from them for like a week and I, and I, and I haven't seen it, I look back at it. I was like, Oh, actually that's, that's pretty good. But I'm always like, so myself and mm -hmm. so i think that's part of it is like is that i want it to be better as i'm doing it but 
But then when I step back and look at it, I realize like, why was I so hard on myself? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've had that experience too. Although there are some times where, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this too. I mean, I think most of us do, but there's some paintings that never look good. It, I, they could be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be 20 yeah. years. I'm just like, no, it still sucks. That yeah, one's getting that's burned. True. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But I, yeah, it's, yeah. 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 It's crazy. Okay. So let's see. So we've, I think we've pretty much covered your life. I mean, now you're a full-time right. painter. You've been a full-time painter since 2006, 2009, 2009. Okay. Yeah. So Don't tell me a little about bit about how your business works. Like what do you spend your days doing? What is it? What does a week look like in your studio what does or a in week your life? Look like for me? Well, it's, it's pretty boring. I mean, um, you know, I usually get in the studio about nine o'clock and, um, and I'll, 9 a.m. and I'll take a I'll take a break for lunch, you know, um, very quick. And then I'm, I'm back in the studio till about, um, uh, you know, about till when it gets dark, but uh, but usually usually about dinner time. And, and then then I'll come inside. I'm lucky that my studio is right here in my house. So mm -hmm. so I don't really I don't have much of a commute. And um, and so uh, but 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 as far as like. I find myself taking lots of breaks when it, so what I, I tell people that I'm in the studio from like nine to five, but I'm not really like painting all day long because you just can't, you know, when you're painting, mm -hmm. it's exhausting. Um, it just takes so much brain power to, to do it. It's exhausting that I find myself walking away and, and, uh, and it's kind of nice to have like, you know, paintings I've got to pack up or something or something I got to photograph or things I got to email or, or, um, or update on the website or something like that. It's nice to have like little distractions to walk away from the, um, uh, you know, from the easel, mm -hmm. but usually, and, and I, and you know, that the painting isn't the hard, the, the most time when it comes to, to creating a work of art, it's getting together all your reference and, and kind of getting everything ready to then paint the painting. I'm working on this project where I've got, you know, um, Oh, is it over? It's yeah, right here where yeah, I've got all these. Interesting. Well, yeah, all these. Uh, these are um, kind of Book of Mormon scenes that I'm doing for uh, the Friend magazine, and so it's, there's a lot going into composing those, and so there's a lot of time spent in Photoshop and, and trying to um, get the reference down before I even start painting. So, so what are we looking not, at? Are we looking at paintings back there? Those are paintings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are paintings. Um, this one, that black and white one is, is, uh, I can't really move my finger. Yeah. It's sort of that. sepia. You mean? Yeah. 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 That's the underpainting for, uh, it was going to be a, a painting for a temple, but I think it's now going to go in the church history museum. Um, long story about that, but, um, but that was the underpainting for it. And then it's gonna, um, um, yeah. So I haven't finished the color on that. And then the other ones back there are, um, paintings I'm doing that are, is, for a project there's going to be 12 of them one, one for each month next year so wait wait um, one you're going to do one per month is that what you're saying um they are going to be released in the magazine each month next year and oh, so i've okay. finished those are two of them i've finished um three others i have another one on the easel so i have um so wow you gotta be gonna cracking get, man I, it was, it's impossible, like timeline to try to keep as it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a lot of work. 
and I'm trying to do them really well. You know, I'm trying to make them great paintings and, and, um, and it's hard when you don't have, uh, you know, when you have such tight deadlines, it's, it's really, it's really, um, difficult. So when you're doing uh, something for a magazine, I think I know the answer to this, uh, because okay. obviously my association to the LDS church, but yeah. do you get to keep the rights to that painting when it goes to a magazine? And do you get to sell that painting yeah. privately? Yes, that 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 was part of the reason why I really liked the idea of this because the you, you know working with the church and some of the projects where you know they want to buy the copyright kind of hold on to the use of it. This one is not that way. I, as the artist, I get I get the full rights and I can sell the original. They're, they're just buying image use. So you get paid so twice or infinitely. I get paid twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, so I'm selling these originals as well, which is which is great. And, um, and I like the idea of then I can print these. And so, um, so I think it just works out really well. And plus, um, there's some great, uh, you know, LDS artists that, you know, um, Nerva Tiger, Arnold Freeberg, they kind of done these kind of similar kind of scenes. And, um, I, you know, not that I wanted to like, think that I compare to them, but, I'll, but I like that challenge of like, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, doing something along the same kind of size and scope. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like we, we're, we're at this point right now in this resurgence of realism that's happening is that there's just a lot of like studies and I, I wanna do more significant work. And that's, this feels like an opportunity to do that, right? Where it's, it's, um, it's it, you know, you're just telling this narrative. I think back in the 19th century, that was the epitome, right? Of, of art was the multi-figure narrative and um, and and I'm really finding what my limitations are as an artist by by taking on these project this project and and um, it's humbling because I d thought I was better than what I was and now that I'm working on these things I realize I have a long ways to go yeah and, but it's helped it's helped me be better you know yeah so I, I constantly feel that way multi figure kicks my butt every time. And I, I, I look so at, hard. I look at the 19th century so painters hard. and think, how did they, how were they so good? Yeah. Well, I think we have to think about it in time because a lot of those paintings, they took years to do. Yeah. But I, but I'm looking now at, at the, um, the golden age illustrators and thinking they did some amazing multi-figure work in very short periods of time. And so I'm really studying like their processes and how they did it. Um, because I just, you know, we know as an artist, what we produce and what we sell is where our living is. So the faster we can do that, the, the you know, the better the income. Right. So, I, so what have you really, discovered? What kinds of things have helped you to speed up? Um, well, taking the time, because I found trying to skip steps actually costs more time. And so mm -hmm. really starting in the beginning and um, like Rockwell's process was, he would start, of course, with his photo shoot and his idea, but then he would go straight to a uh, of um, a full charcoal. Well, he would he do the color study, I think, either before or after. But he would do a full charcoal sketch, and he'd really lay everything out in charcoal sketch. And then he'd do a full underpainting after the color study, and then he'd do his final painting. But he could knock these things out in you know four or five days, which had more than one figure in it. Um, but I but I found him in in working, I think, oh, well, I don't need to do that. I don't need the color study. And then I find myself just mm. stumbling, 
and, and slowing down because I haven't solved it. So what I found is trying to solve everything um, digitally first. When I say digitally, like in Photoshop, really. So your color study work. is digital. Both. I'll I'll get it, I'll get on the computer and really work on it digitally. But I've I found, and that's part of my conversations with with Dave Dibble. He was saying the same thing: is is that something that will work on the computer doesn't necessarily work in pigment. And so you have to you have to work it out in the color study in paint as well. Is that right? So, okay. so I've been I've been I've been really focusing on the color studies, making sure that those are good, and then and then I yeah, and then I, and then I go to the painting, and um, and I and I, yeah, I think that's really helped my process of speeding things up, but I but I'm still in this stage of trying to figure it out. Um, Man, that's a good tip. You know, I'm using yourself. photography now, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know that that you that it doesn't necessarily work in pigment if it works in works Photoshop. On, on the computer. Yeah, I got to yeah, well, call David and ask him about that. Sources, right? You've got the I don't know, the analog and and whatever, you know, you've got you've got the uh, where the screen is is is, is the white it's is backlit. coming from the screen where the pigment the white is coming onto the pigment so it's different, right? And so hmm. it's a lot of times what what works, especially that you can get a what you can get a wider range of uh, value on the screen than you can in pigment. It's a lot more compressed, and so sometimes you got to work that out in pigment to get that same effect that you're looking for from the you know. And you the, really can see a difference when you when you do one in pigment versus doing one just digitally. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's oh, man, there's I a difference it. because sometimes, especially well, what I've noticed is landscape stuff, right? Because you can get that that landscape effect um, in in digital, but you can't quite get the same, um, is even when you go out and painting from the landscape, you, there's this broad, this wide range of value that you've got to compress into pigment and you've got to figure out how to do that. And I, mean, that's, um, that's I think I know what's hap what was happening with my crucifixion painting then because maybe, maybe not, but the landscape on the crucifixion, I mean, you saw it, it was this gray cloudy thing. Right, right. And it looked really good in the reference for the sky. Yeah. But I, yeah. I ended up not being able to copy the reference. I had to change a lot of stuff because it wasn't working in the painting. And I just yeah. thought, and it still might be the case, I thought it was a scale issue, but it might have been a pigment issue. I think it's a pigment issue. I think, I think it's the fact that, that, you know, you just can't capture some of those effects. Hmm. Um, you can get a feeling of it, but you have to do it in a way that works in the pigment. Yeah, you can get a similar feeling. Man, learn something every day. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so let's let's start looking at your work. Okay. I mean, we've always obviously got a taste of it. Yeah. But yeah, what it looks like now, you're mostly focused on multi-figure. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's kind of been the the latest chapter in my work. Um, now I'm just going to go a, through a couple of these multi-figures. Oh, that, the historical ones. Yeah, yeah that are yeah. really so impressive. So this one was was a was a um, a painting that I did for the church, um, and uh, it's it's uh, on location. This is the story is in France, and it's it's John Taylor, one of the early uh, leaders of the, of the Mormon Church, uh, on, with with missionaries going to France, and this is where um, he was he was dedicating uh france for the gospel and so they gave they went to the beach in boulogne sur mer which is in the northern part of france and and um 
which is which is kind of funny because what's that famous beach that all the artists painted? Um, I have it's no just idea. Like, it's just south of that where they have those rock structures that are just really gorgeous. I'm, I'm, yeah, I have no clue. I don't even know if I've even heard of it. Anyways, that was like a beautiful beach. This is like like probably the most ugly beach, um, in the entire area there. And, but this is where it happened. So, uh, I was actually had the opportunity to go there and take photographs on that beach. And, and, uh, and then I staged my models here in Utah, but, but that's, uh, you know, got me an idea of the landscape of what it looked like. Yeah. But it's, it's old, it's newer now. So how did you, did you modify? I uh, I modified it, yeah, and I used, and that was where Whitaker helped me. I used Google SketchUp and mm -hmm. made those little wagons. But they uh, historically, which is interesting, this was a tourist beach, and so they would use these what they called bath wagons, and they would take them, they roll them out into the um, into the ocean, and they would change out of their normal clothes into their swimsuits, and out the back they would go swim in the ocean, and then they would go back into the wagon and change into their regular clothes and go back out on the beach. Oh, and no so way. these were like changing um, wagons that they had. They would, and so I, I built those in in Google SketchUp in 3D to kind of get the idea, the perspective, and stuff. And then that's how I put that. Can you there. light them in Google SketchUp or just just the perspective? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you they can? were, yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. Put a light source on them. I didn't um, know that. But you know, this was painted it back in 2018, 2019. Now I I would probably just have my son use a 3D program and help me no the whole kidding. landscape. Yeah. So then I, is I, this I, uh, Gregory Mortensen right here? It sure looks like him. No, no, but it does look like Greg. It does look like Greg. It does, yeah. No, that was a neighbor of mine. Okay. And then right next to him was my little brother. He was he was in the right here. The, there, that's my little brother. And, yeah, that's uh, a great painting. But well, thank you. Those are those are just friends and neighbors that I was able to get model for me for that and what do you do about costumes um i was you know since this is a project for the church they have a whole motion picture uh studio costume department that oh, allowed nice. me to, to borrow the costumes and, and get those oh, i didn't um, know that but i was really proud of myself because i invented and made up all of the uh, footprints on the sand that was probably my favorite part Oh, no way. That, That's convincing. You know, it's really yeah, convincing yeah, I, because I, I was going to ask you if you took them to like Great Salt Lake or something in order to get that look. I No, no, I didn't. I did try to take them to Utah Lake and that's where I shot all of the reference, but the sand wasn't the same. It was very, it was just more of like hard, hard packed dirt. And so I, there was no footprints. Um, but I noticed when I was there in France, there were a bunch of footprints. And so I I was trying to make that up and I was trying to give it kind of a, a narrative of like, if you look right above the guy dealing John Taylor there above him, you can see a set of footprints and then, and then it kind of makes a hard turn back to the, uh, yeah, there you go. And then back to the, to the right. So, the, so it kind of looks like they walked down cause it said in the, in what I read in the history of this is that they separated themselves from the general population or general public. And I was like, well, what does that mean? So I felt like they, maybe they walked down by these, um, um, uh, the, those bath wagons and then walked up the, the line of the beach until they came to this point and then stopped and, and gave this prayer right here. Uh, That's a nice so touch. That's a nice touch. Throw in a little bit of narrative. Just imagining yeah. him positioning himself right here. It's, it's sort of insignificant, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it adds to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then as far as the lighting goes, this is where I was, Again, using um, Dave Dibble to help me. He's such a great landscape painter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he really helped me kind of figure out the coloring of the light and, and those kind of things. And, um, and what did you learn really, from him? Can you give us some? Well, you know what? I shot, I shot this. I shot a lot of this in kind of more of an overcast light. And so he was helping me kind of figure out what the, what the shadows would be doing. And then, you know, kind of the coloring. I mean, you notice the sky where it's kind of warmer at the bottom. And then it, of course, goes a little, you know, greener, yeah. blue towards the top. Um, those kind of things where you're kind of learning what, what the landscape does. I mean, it's obvious when you look at it, but you kind of have to, you kind of have to own that information a little bit, you know, to, to, to kind of understand what's happening so that you can put it into the painting. So you completely changed it from overcast to direct? Yes. In some ways. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that seems really because complex. It didn't have like. There, maybe some of that light on their faces was similar to that, but I didn't have those like strong cast of, of shadows that are kind of going out and to the right. I didn't but have did that. Did you at least so. have the directional light? I mean, was the pat was the I light dark the pattern the same? Light. Yeah. Okay. But yes. it was just dimmer. So it didn't cast long shadows. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that when I, sorry, when I was, when I was in France, it was all overcast. So I made up the background. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I am looking at the figures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, the figures, no figures was pretty correct to what I, to okay, my reference. Okay. I didn't make, I didn't have to make that up. It was, it was the background that had to be invented. It looks good. Yeah. I never would have guessed. Well, thanks. Yeah, nice, nice painting. All right, yeah. and then um, I wanted to ask you about this one. This still available? Oh, yeah. So this was a study. This was interesting. I told you that whole story about that yeah. Carthage painting is that they wanted me to finish the second half. So I um, uh, I came back to him with the study and said, hey, this. so this is what I want the second half to look like. They and, said no. And they told me, they said, no, we don't like it. And I was I was kind of a bit offended, you know, being a young artist, you know, I'm probably a little bit of an ego. It's just like, what do you know? I know how to paint, you know, and um, or I know what I'm doing. But I realized that, yeah, this guy, um, is too distracting. I really loved his pose and kind of how he's holding the gun and everything, but um, but you couldn't look past him. And so when you look at the at the final painting, you notice what I did with the figure in the foreground is you don't even see his face. And he's and what I like about it is the fact that he's covering at the ear because if you've ever heard a black oh, powder yeah. rifle go off, it's so loud or and, any and, gun for uh, that matter. And so you look yeah. past him because he's ducking. He's down and you don't see his face and it was, it was a good change. So it was one of those. Oh, I where, hate it when they're right. Yeah. Yeah. They were right. They were right. <laughs> I yes. hate it. Oh yes. man. But so, it made the, made the painting better. So this so is they the wanted sketch to like, of the right yeah, version. In, the, in, this, in our discussion, they're like, well, show, show us one with where, where he's, where you, we take out the guy. And I think, do I have that in there or not? Is that um, another one where he's not even there? Oh yeah. Go to the one on the top right. Yeah. Oh no, that doesn't um, work. So he's not even there. They are like, let's let's see one where he's not there. I was like, well, that's too open. It doesn't look crowded enough. Doesn't look like because if you've been in that jail, it's a tight, tight, narrow. Yeah. Why would they be hole. hanging out here and leave all this space? Yeah, and so it just. Uh, I think that's glare from the uh, from the glass on that. But yeah, um, some of those lines. But uh, but then yeah, you see how I changed it, and and that's when we went with. It. So I did a few charcoal drawings after I did that first color. Um, study to then kind of land on this. Yeah, this is better. I hate to, I hate better. to admit it. Dang it. This is better. Yeah, it tells the narrative. I put a bayonet on the on the end of that one um, 
gun there because, you know, again, the witness, I was basing it off of the, the two witness stories that they have, the two survivors of it. And mm. so I talked about bayonets. I tried to get all of, all of, there's so much to talk about in this painting because there's, there's so many things and so much to that narrative that was, yeah, was really, really fun to put in. And it's incredible that it was your, your first yes. big sale and it's in a museum. I mean, that's a, yes. that's a big yes. deal. I see this painting and, fairly regularly because of that. Yes. It was the first thing I did. And then when I finished it, it was because Rita had then um, left to, to be the director of Springville museum. And there was a, Laura was the new curator and she came and we discussed it when it was done. And she's like, she's like, this is, this is like, this is like your, um, what's that French word where it's the pinnacle of your work? This what, is magnum your opus or something or. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is your thing. And I was like, well, I hope not. I hope this isn't the thing that, that, that I peaked and now I'm on my, my way down. I hope, I hope that's not it. No, but, definitely um, not, but it is but, quite but, impressive. Well, thank you. It, it, it is, it is definitely something that really is. And it really started with something that I just wanted to do. So I had a young artist, um, and hopefully it was good advice that uh, just asked me the other day. It's just like, like, what should I do? Like, I'm fresh out of school, and and uh, what should I do to get really kind of known? And I said to her, I said, find find something that you really feel strongly about and paint it big, and um, hmm. and make it be like something really like epic, and whatever that is, and and. Um, even if you fail at it, you'll have, will, you'll learn so much from it. And luckily I didn't fail at this one, but I did learn a ton from it and it's helped me throughout my, you know, just kind of help keep my career going. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. And then would you, would, you give, would you give that, would you give that advice to, to one of your students say paint something like just, just epic and big. I wouldn't have until today, but when you were saying it, I thought that's really good advice. Okay. But I, I, yeah, yeah I, I think I that's wondered great. after I said that to her, I was wondering like, uh, was that smart of me to say that? I, I don't know. I, um, um worked, I hadn't thought about me. it. I think it's good advice. Because I though. think if you're just throwing out a bunch of little studies and little portrait studies and things like that, I don't think that really gets you known and seen. And, and it no. doesn't help you grow as an artist. There is a, you don't do you feel like though, there. you've kind of touched on this. You said you don't want your career to be just a bunch of little studies. But there are yeah. a lot of careers that are a bunch of little studies, and there's nothing yeah, wrong with right, that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah. and I'm not I'm not poo pooing on that. Or, or no, I know you're terrible. not. But my yeah. point is, um, there's more than one way to do it. Yeah. But I but I'm with you. I, I as you know, I love the idea of doing grand paintings too. Yeah. So I think that's yes. great advice. And for nothing. Right. If not, if for nothing else, what you learned from it, because like you said before, yes. multi-figure yeah. painting, or maybe you didn't say this, and maybe I was just thinking this, but there's okay. nothing harder than multi-figure painting. I, it's to me, to me, painting a portrait is like setting a, setting a broken arm and multi-figure okay. painting is like brain surgery. I mean, it, <laughs> it's like. It really is, and, but there is, there is, I mean, I'm always trying to get like the feeling and that, that kind of like, um, spontaneity and kind of looseness in my finished work, which I don't think I've got there yet, but, uh, cause I love that. So there is, there's something about the quality of a sketch. That's really nice. No, so it's, it is, it, it is, but, but it's so much, it's so complex multi-figure yes. paintings.
So well, and this one here that we're looking at is very complex too, and and I learned a lot about that in trying to. Uh, I you know I wanted to make this tonal painting of really you know this this moment like Christ you know gives up the ghost and it says it is finished, and you have Marietta speak you know kind of noticing that he's gone or he's about to go and and um, really wanted this kind of dynamic, um, strong designed image you know and um, and I learned a lot from this and, and there are a lot of things that that now that I know a little bit more about the landscape I would probably do different but but it's, it's all a learn, learning process right yeah. all growing you know what I love about this painting is the lighting right here well, how oh, you how you. you focused your attention here by doing that really beautiful rim lighting I mean you have rim lighting here too, but yeah. it's it's much more dramatic here. It's really yeah. Pretty. I was trying to really keep it focused right there, and so less rim lighting on the yeah on the other figures. But then there's something and kind really, of odd about this painting that I think is cool, and that you didn't oh, line nice. the crosses up, you staggered them. Yes, and I like the idea that we're not looking down the row. I mean, we're we are looking down the row, but we're not looking at them all straight in the line and it, like we normally see them. Yeah, I like that we're seeing them from the side. You know, mm -hmm. and and I like the fact that that you know this is when it's all over. So I saw this painting in Paris. Um, it's in the Dorsay, uh, and I think it's a Jerome. And it's 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 awesome because it looks like just a landscape. It looks like a very dramatic landscape with a storm off in the distance, and these people are are walking away, and um, you kind of really don't understand what's going on. And then you notice in the bottom right hand corner. That that there's these shadows cast up, and a strong contrast of these shadows, and and you notice that they're crosses. And you don't see any figures. You don't see Christ on the cross. You just see these these people walking away. And that was the inspiration for this painting. Hmm. I thought, well, this should this would be really cool to like have the moment that uh, you know that the storm is rolling in, and and I think about uh, about the fact that this probably took a while, and so all of the excitement of of all the people there mocking, uh, you know, Christ and the thieves, they're, they've all left except maybe the, the 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 devout followers, and now even the women are leaving and just like a lot more emotion and and uh, left there with just a few people, hmm. and and this idea of the drama of it, I just I like that idea of like focusing on not not like the beginning of it, but at the end where where you went through all of this anguish and. And um, to finally say it is finished, and uh, I, you know, I've completed the work, you know. Yeah, you know, when you're telling that story about that painting, I thought, I wonder if Hitchcock was influenced by paintings like that. You know, right. like the shadow it, of the knife, you know, instead of seeing. Yeah, the actual you would knife. think that you would think that that they they all were right. Yeah, all those great probably. Directors, great paintings. So, a couple so, questions about this painting. I love okay. how you varied the way they're hung because it adds a lot of interest yeah. and yeah. obviously you did that on purpose what yeah. was your what what inspired that what what was your thinking when you decided how to hang these three people well i wanted i wanted everything going kind of leading to you notice like our strong diagonals are all going right to this pinnacle of christ right at the top and mm -hmm. the top of the painting so i made sure that the uh, that the crosses of the thieves weren't higher in in you know in perspective than Christ, and so that even the one that's in and I like this idea of them not um, 
you know, not really neatly put on the cross either. The guy's got his arm. Yeah, that's what I the, mean. One over guy's the top up above. Of the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that from like a, like a, I don't, it's it definitely a Renaissance sculpture of, of these figures of the crucifix. I mm. saw that where he had like, you know, arms, you know, kind of over the cross. And I thought, oh, that's kind of really cool, dramatic pose, which then, uh, in design wise leads you up to, to seeing Christ in kind of this, you know, keeps bringing you back to uh, the focal point of, of the image. And so that's why I designed it like that, so that those those two figures kind of support this diagonal that's leading you up to Christ. Yeah. Okay, and then the other thing is, this is something I'm learning slowly. And that is that you can manipulate the direction of light to some degree and still make it convincing. Yeah. And I see that you've yeah. done that in this painting. You know, for yeah, example, maybe you weren't aware of it, but so maybe maybe, maybe a little bit unintentionally, but uh, okay. Well, I'm going to point uh, it out. I, I did, and you tell I me. I did make a maquette. I made a maquette where I built these crosses, you know, in little, uh, I, I think I still have the model upstairs. Oh, so and, maybe uh, this is a maquette problem. Did you bring the maquette outside? No, I did not bring the. I, oh. I lit it with the light inside. Okay, so here's yeah. the here it here it is. Then you might not have done this on purpose. So I apologize. Okay. Probably, it doesn't matter because it, it doesn't matter because it works. But this is a okay. So forgive me if I come off like I'm trying to teach you something. I sh I could learn more from you <laughs> than you could from no, me. No, no, I'm happy. I'm happy but, to learn. But one thing I've learned is that when you light something from inside, because the light source yeah. is so close to the subject yeah. where the moon is, uh, you know, a million miles away, yeah. not literally, but yeah. then yeah. The, the light, the light direction cones, you know, it, it's, it, it makes a cone shape. So on, yeah. so the figures on the left of the light source get lit from the right and the figures on the right, of the light source get lit from the left. But if they were oh, lit awesome. from the sun or the moon, it's so far away, the light rays are essentially parallel. So everyone gets lit from the same side. Everyone gets lit. Oh, I see. Yeah. So what you've got yeah. is so rim light on one side of her and on a, the opposite side with her, which makes sense if you had your light bulb right here. But it wouldn't make sense if you had the moon right, right there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it's okay. It works. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. It reads that the narrative reads, right? The narrative reads. Yeah. It works. It totally works. But I didn't. Yeah. So, so you're saying there would be there would be rim light on the back of that cross. Everyone would be right? lit from the same direction. Yeah. It yeah. seems counterintuitive, but yeah. yeah, but that's cause it, you know, the sun is so far away. Right. If you imagine you'd have, if you're standing on one end of a city block and I'm standing on the other end of the city block, yeah. even though we're that far apart, we're still going to be lit from the same side because the right. sun is so far away. Well, you're only, yeah, you're much less in a city block apart and yet. Yeah. And part of that, like those figures on the bottom, right. We're all, you know, kind of shot in the studio to, you know, to, to kind of get that. And so they're not, well, yeah. I thought you did on purpose anyway. So it works. It works. great. Well, yeah. It works fine. You no, know, no, that totally makes sense. And, um, even if I shot that outside, I might've done it like this just to kind of keep yeah. that drama where I wanted it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You that's know, something no, I, I learned a while back. I'm definitely learning, learning more about the landscape and kind of how to, how to paint the landscape for sure. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, I don't know if it was James Gurney. 
that introduced that me or if it was trial and error. But I do know he said that, that he takes his maquettes outside. I don't uh. do that. I don't do that because it's because the light isn't, it changes from day to day. And sometimes I want my cats set up day after day after day and even into the night while I work on yeah. things. But what I'll do is I'll use multiple light sources or move the light source across the maquette as I, as I observe oh. each figure in order yeah. to get the look of parallel light, you know, um, light rays. I but I, uh, yeah, but I didn't, there was a long time where mm -hmm. I wasn't, I never made that connection either, but I didn't realize that's what you were doing though. So it's, uh, it still works. Like you, like I said, so yeah, that's another yeah. one of those things. Multi-figure painting, man, there's things you don't even. And, and there's so many things like, you know, and like tangents and things like that. You've got to try to kind of design and work out and, and, um, and then, and then, yeah, you're, how your, your color patterns are and, and things like that. It's just so hard. You know? It is. It's Designing so hard. all your shapes. Yeah. I just set up a maquette recently for a new painting I'm doing. And it, I use seven lights to create the look of one light. Oh. It took I'm going to do that more. Yeah. It took um, seven lights. And it looks really real. But, um, but it's weird because you would never know looking at it that it was seven lights. I took seven lights to make it look like make it what look it would like, look out like outside yeah it was crazy outside. yeah 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 i you know in some of these i did shoot like like the man on the horse and um you know the guys and that was all shot outside um but it was you know trying to kind of mimic that same idea of that that light that you're talking about um but a lot of it too was trying to keep that drama in in where i wanted the viewer to look you know yeah and we it's really cool I want to pull this up and uh because you have your maquette was it during your studio tour i think it was i think it might have wasn't it yeah it wasn't didn't your maquette didn't you walk past your maquette where is your studio tour right here i think you yeah. walked past this maquette come on in did i yeah let's see Hold i think on. i do i think i do yeah because i have it set up upstairs yeah this, this penny been floor is awesome by the way Benny. Yeah, there it, uh, is. there it is. There it is. It's the maquette. Yeah. Yeah. So you yep. can see I was using I was using just that that one light source. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But the maquette really was um was just to kind of get um what I want the figures to do. Um, right. I guess I guess everyone in the foreground I did inside, but um the rest, well and, and I guess even the because yeah, even the figures on the cross, those those I didn't use um models for. Those were invented. No kidding. Know, just, nice work. Those look so how, good. How yeah. How could I get that? I, you I invented think I these three? For the most part, I think I, I think I had a friend of mine, like, you know, kind of pose in the pose for me, but I had to kind of like make the lighting feel a little bit more correct on it. But yeah, wow, definitely those the figure. Look really figure, good. The figure Christ, I had to just go off of the, the maquette. And, this little this little detail the of the fingers is so interesting. The lighting on this is just so good. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that I think this painting's a home run. Expected. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's really nice. All right, let's see. You know, one of the things I love about your work, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you've won multiple Port Society of America awards for drawing. Have you not? I At have. least one. I yeah, have. you kick yeah. butt with drawing. Yeah. 
I don't know yeah. where you learned how to draw like this, but your drawing style is among my well, favorite of well, anybody. Well, thanks. And that, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I was first kind of um, uh, heard about or was kind of turned on to the work of, of Nikolai Fashion through Whitaker. And, yeah. um, and, and I try to kind of like, Fashion is is a huge inspiration for me in in his drawings, and just the kind of the way that he would um, kind of put those sharp lines in after after he's kind of built everything up, and then he would put those lines in um, after he's kind of built up the form. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that that was that's kind of been my inspiration for my drawings. Um, it's it's yeah, it's interesting because drawing is. I hate to say this, but it's so much easier than painting. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier, but it's you know still I mean? hard. It's still hard, but it's, it's still hard. But yeah. you don't have to deal with anything other than form, right? Light, right. light, shadow. Yeah. And um, and then I'm also when I'm in these drawing portraits, I'm really strongly thinking about design, just trying to squint at it and what does that look like as an abstract thing? And and um, and uh, I, I know that you have a strong appreciation for abstract paintings, you know, and so the, mm -hmm. and and I and I like that idea of it, like this abstraction becoming a realism, and yeah, me and too. that's that's really been a lot of my inspiration when it comes to drawings. Hmm. I try to do that in painting, but it doesn't seem to um, be as successful, you know. Oh, I don't know about that. Like, like this one, the hair is just this big abstraction, but then you know the face appears inside of it. You know, I like that. You ever juggled before? No, I've tried to juggle. I can't. Okay. I can't juggle. Well, I I I learned to juggle when I was a kid, and uh, I never I I learned how to juggle three balls relatively quickly, but I okay. never could get good at four. Just adding one more oh. ball made such a difference. Yeah. So that analogy yeah. rings really true, and I use it for my students all the time. Yeah. Drawing is like yeah. juggling three balls. And, yeah. and painting is like juggling four. And the jump from three to four is so dramatic. I, I would say painting is like juggling six. Maybe, you know I mean? maybe. Um, it, it's, it's, it feels like to me, it feels way more. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. Because once you kind of start throwing color in the mix and then how color temperature affects form and light. It's, and paint it's, texture. It's having to manage the, the paint, paint texture, texture and the direction of strokes. and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if you look at my painting sketches, you know I, I'm I'm trying to go for a similar thing with the as the drawings is that um, if you go in like sketches and studies, you can see that I you know I'm trying to kind of like have an interesting design in those sketches, and um, and then try to kind of follow up with with solid drawing. You know, I don't see a lot of nudes on your Instagram, so this is nice. No, to I see don't. Some. I don't. I don't. I don't put a lot of nudes out there. Um, it's beautiful, but uh, but I do have quite. Wait, a few what's this doing here? That well, that one. I don't know why I have that one. That's a demo drawing I did for a while back. I don't know why I have that in there. But that's oh, okay. Drawing. I, it's I a, for those listening. Section. It's a drawing in what I thought was a painting section. So I was just curious. Yeah, I, don't, I guess because it was a study sketch for a workshop. I don't know why I have that. I need to move it. I need to move it over to. Wait, what happened there? Section. I apologize. What? So uh, I oh, that that took you to where? Did, what did you click on? I clicked on Discussing orchid, and it goes here. I want to see that. Just click on the image. Can you yeah. click on the image? Or I think you got yeah. a broken link. 
I got a broken link. Yeah, I want to see hey, that I was painting. Just, I was just, with me. You, you inspired me to, to update my website. So I, now I got to fix some things after I was yeah. just working on and this. And I really like that painting. I'm like, show me that painting. Ah, sorry. No, it's okay. Sorry, yeah. This is gorgeous. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. Oh man, you definitely have it in your that the same same quality in your studies that you do in your drawings. What's that? You, the Say same quality of just that energetic paint and movement. You you have yeah, you have it in your drawings and your studies for sure. Well, thank you. But you yeah, know, don't you don't for. you think that a multi-figure painting and a more complex painting requires a slightly different treatment at least, or not necessarily requires, it but it does. It, it but I'm learning more and it. more that I'm learning more and more that that thumbnail effect is so important. You know, going back to that color study, or mm -hmm. those or those just simple shapes, and and learning that from from the great illustrators like you know Howard Pyle and Harvey Dunn, and you know um, I'm just looking at some of those Lion Decker um, paintings that are just unbelievable. It's just those simple shapes put together just make some really interesting uh, images and. Um, and, and and realizing that yeah, multifigure there's so it's so much more complex to solve. Like how do I get what I want in those simple shapes to then read in a in a more complex, detailed way? Mm -hmm. But it all comes back to impression, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to get, capture here in the studies. It's just the impression. Yeah. You know, there's one on Instagram because I was looking at your Instagram right before we started that yeah. I was really impressed with because I don't know if you're not a painter if you would recognize how difficult this is and how much of a home run this painting is. Right, let me see if I can find it. It's a study of a guy in France who owned the place you were living in France. Oh, right here. Oh, yeah, or yeah, staying yeah. In France. This lighting was, is so subtle yes, and so sensitive, really, and you hit a home run on that. I, I, yeah, well, thank you, because I, I really felt, I, I told you earlier how I like, like the moment I finish a painting, I really hate it. This one, I like, oh, I got it. I captured it. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I really was excited about this painting. I, yeah, and the I glasses like... are so simple. It just, you nailed it. Yeah, you really did. Thanks. Yeah, and it was the idea of just capturing those simple shapes. And I was really, uh, I wish I had a, I don't have that one photographed uh, so you can see it closer. But if you look at it closer, it's just, everything is suggested. It's just so Everything is very, very simple, and and I like that because it was just the fact that I captured the the impression. Because we, this was the yeah the owner of the property, so we were just painting from the light that was this was inside the mill, this mm -hmm. old mill that's you know that's two hundred years old, and it was just uh, light coming from from the door, and uh, that kind of cool light that's coming in. So, anyway. yeah. You know, and I squinted well, him, oh. I squinted him, and this is why it's so difficult. When I squinted him, it's really hard to distinguish the two light sources because you've got the one coming from the window or door, and then you've got yeah. the ambient light or whatever is coming from the left. Yeah. And you managed to separate, but still maintain yeah. that subtlety. You managed to separate the door light from the ambient light. But when I squint at mm -hmm. him, I almost don't see a separation, but you managed to pull right. it off. Yeah. I, that's yeah, a really I'm always, hard one. You, you know, yeah, this, my, the, the, my students, I'm, I'm always telling them, like, you know, make sure that you're separating your lights from your darks, really have that clear separation. 
And mm-hmm. uh, even if even if you don't see it as much, you need to, to, to kind of get that in there. And so I think that's part of it. It's just making sure that I'm separating my lights from my darks and really getting, you know, giving the viewer an idea of, of a clear idea of where the where the main light source is coming. Yeah, that I think that's the key that you that understanding that you have, because a student would might say there are no darks. What am I supposed to right, do? There are right. no darks. It's lit from everywhere. And you're saying, no, figure yeah. out what your main light source is and everything else yes. is your darks. Has, has, yeah, has to, has to kind of follow alongside that. Yeah. Subtlety is, is the hardest thing for any, any artist to get because the moment we start going for subtlety, we go for everything becomes the same value, right? Mm-hmm. And so the moment we start bringing values closer together, it gets really difficult to maintain that separation. So uh, a lot of beginning students can easily, you know, get lights and darks, but it's just finding that subtle uh, of really compressing those values. That's where the challenge is. And it just requires you seeing so much. Uh, you have to really look at it and really study what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, let's uh, go back to your website again. I want to look at, some of your more finished paintings that yeah that aren't historical so i want to pull out a couple that are my favorites first and then if you if you have anything you'd like to talk about favorites are (laughs) all right let's see well i'm look this one right here is literally 100 my favorite painting you've done if i could have bought this painting i would i would be like just like put candles around it and just have like little moments every day with it you know like it is so i'm not good. sure I'm, is... I'm not sure what made that painting so successful either it, it's partially the pose or obviously it's inspired by a thayer painting using, yeah using i don't know the, what i don't know that's the problem thing. is sometimes you can't even define it it's but, just uh, Part of it is the figure. And a lot of people think like it's a big painting. It's not a big painting. It's fourteen by eighteen. It's that head is only a few inches tall. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not even, not even a couple inches. Um, I think it's the drama of it. I don't know. I, I remember when I was painting it, that eye in the shadow, uh, the eye furthest away from us is. Um, I I left it. I had kind of blocked it in, and and then I was about to kind of finish that eye. I wish we could zoom in. I think you can zoom in. I I I remember going back in. Or I was thinking I was going to finish that uh, that eye that's in the shadow. And yeah, um, oh yeah, it's not even there. Yeah, and I remember thinking that I was I need to finish that and complete that that kind of thought there. But then the more I looked at it, the more it kind of gave it this idea of it, it added to the emotion or the or the kind of feeling of the scene and and her emotions that I, the fact that the eye is kind of red and. I don't know. It just kind of, it kind of worked. And I felt like if I, it's this idea of Richard Smith in his book, you know, that you got to know when to stop. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily I stopped and I felt like that actually made it. Made it yeah. And then you've got other things I don't, intriguing. that are really interesting that you don't see all the time. And the, like this hard edge right here. Yeah. And the, yeah. you really, even this eye is less finished and than you often will see. And it just really worked right. the way the, the iris just sort of fades into the white of the eye. Yeah, this idea of suggesting things, I'm I'm all for that. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of of Sargent and, and a lot of those you know you know 19th century 
artists, you know, Zorn and, and Soroy and those. And I like that idea of, of suggesting things and yeah, um, and not and not over, not overpainting things, which I have done. I have definitely done that. Where I felt like taking things too far, but maybe maybe that's what what kind of like drew you to this one is that it's got that nice balance of 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 finish and and unfinished, where you feel it. You feel a lot of stuff. In yeah, with your eyes. I think that's probably yeah. it. And and I it it has guts, you know. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, I don't know if sometimes I'd have the courage. Good. Sometimes it's me just being naive, but no, sometimes I don't know. It's good. I don't know if I'd have the courage to do certain things like over here, which is so beautiful. Cause do you ever, yeah. do you ever, when you're painting, think about other painters and go, would they do this? Like, is this even allowed? Okay. Like there's some okay. rules, like, like, like a sport yeah. in basketball. Like, is this a double dribble yeah. equivalent? in painting like is this even allowed yeah you do yeah. feel that way yeah i do feel that way i remember i remember early on you know studying with that first professor of mine like he would call it the art gestapo would come in and tell him you can't do this i remember him <laughs> using that term the art gestapo and saying you can't do this and so that that actually kind of helped free me up of like things that uh that you know try to break the rules and do things that maybe uh, sh you know, don't, shouldn't work, but then do, you know, mm. um, I'm, yeah, it's me just experimenting and playing with things and, and, and allowing things to go and, and not having to, to feel like I have to, as an artist, sometimes you feel like you've got to prove that you can render this all the way that it needs to be. Um, and then having that humility to say, does, you know, will the, will the piece be better if I don't, you know what though? I think I think I, uh, I think you're full of it on that one because you proved you could do it on the hands and the faces. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, what but, I mean is, but I, you just, I'm not calling you out. You just you pointed out zooming in there. It's not like that. It it looks fully rendered and finished yeah. that eye from this distance, but um, but up close it's not. And well, I mean that as a compliment. I mean, the sergeants and they look so like photographic almost, right? Yeah, when you that's see true. Them, they're not that away. finished. They're not. not they're and not they're that not finished. That finished. When you get up close, it's just they really. He's really solved all of the values and his color relationships so well. Yeah, but this painting, I think that's what I like about it. It demonstrates, and because I'm glad you said what you just said about sometimes we feel like we have to prove that yes. we can make this thing really realistic and that we're great craftsmen. Yeah. I feel that pressure all the time. But what you did, and this is why I say you're full of it, I mean that as a compliment because I think you're just being sure. humble in, your, in, your, in, in saying that. And that is that, yeah, even though this is loose, it shows your chops in the face and hands. But then okay, by contrast, it also shows your bravery in leaving this alone and just your sense of design and aesthetics, good taste. So yeah. it's like, in a way, yeah, you have to be, you had to be willing to let go of your ego in a way, but, but what ended yeah. up happening in the end was you ended up creating something that just shows a broader range of skill than if you had rendered the whole thing. That's how I see it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, so thanks, that's Jeff. what I mean that's, by you're full of it. Amazing compliment. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I wish Tell that me, painting was available. One of my art heroes. I, I think, I, you know, when I was talking earlier when you peaked, I think I just peaked right now. <laughs> I'm glad, man. I'm glad. Okay, so another one is, I just got to look for them. It's not that I'm struggling to find great paintings here, but I know already what they are because uh, I've followed you for years. But, well, first of all, I will point out that one that you won in the Portrait Society, if I can find it right here, is also yeah, one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, yeah. And that is just gorgeous and you won well, thank you what did you win with this i can't remember i won i think i won second place second place with this one yeah yeah you know what's cool yeah. about this one it's got this 19th century look with the dress you chose the couch you chose yeah. and then she's got her cell phone at least that's what it looks like she's holding yeah she is she's holding the cell phone. so it's totally yeah. contemporary yeah. and yet and I don't know. An I love that. I love that. I love that idea. Century. I think you and I think a lot alike. That idea of, you know, going back to your earlier work with that idea of incorporating some type of modern or contemporary aspect into this this idea of classical realism. I love that. Yeah, me and too. And of course, this painting this painting was inspired by Ramon Casas, his painting of decadent youth, and um, and uh, but uh, I really wanted I I wanted to kind of take. Put my own take on it and um and this is one of those where it kind of pays off to really really go the extra mile i had brought a model in and i had photographed her and uh i wish i had an image of that and uh and started painting it it just wasn't working and i ended up sanding down i sanded down the entire face after it was done really brought a whole new model in and um this is actually one of my students former students she's now studying at gca um and and photographed her and she was way better for what I was after. Um, but if I, I felt like if I would have kept going with the other one, it would have been okay, but it wouldn't have kind of had this the same effect and, and, and probably not have been as, as successful as this painting. That's the other thing, not to go back to this angel painting again, but I am a hundred percent believer that who you choose as a painter to put in your paintings is yeah. as important as what actors you choose to put in your movie right it's so Absolutely. important that you get the right face it yes the for yeah yes. for your character and i'm finding that in these in these um these multi-figure ones i'm doing is that you really gotta put the the time into finding the right model the right look for mm -hmm. it for it to really work for the narrative that you're trying to tell yeah and because I my that's model before subjective, was, but my model before in that painting was a lot older and this was a young student so this idea of of youthful decadence, you know, plays a lot better. You mm -hmm. know? And I had like fabric made and, and things like that to kind of really stage that whole painting. So. Wow. So here's another one that I like a lot. Well, thank you. And again, there's a phone as well. I called it <laughs> yeah, right there. Because, yeah. you know, what's the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning, right? Most of oh, us. Oh, it's so sad. Phone. I know. And, um, and, uh, this one was staged. I was stayed at a hotel, and uh, it's not my wife as a model. But um, the thing is, I like the look of the hotel. I, I realize now my perspective is a little wonky and weird, but this is an old painting, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the look in the hotel. But uh, but then I brought a model in the studio, and um, and then uh, photographed her to kind of uh, get the the look on the. Oh, you mixed it up. Okay. Uh, yeah yeah that's nice and then this one brings back memories this is an older one yes that was another portrait society um yeah 
Yeah, I don't remember what award that had, but uh, this one was a funny story because I, um, I'm sure you've had these experiences where you're you're out wherever and you see somebody and you think they'd be a great model for a painting, so you approach them and mm-hmm. and uh, I was at a, a restaurant just down in Pleasant Grove where we used to live and and uh, she was a waitress. So I reached out to her and she had this like long brown hair that kind of looked like a, she kind of looked like one of Waterhouse's models. I thought, oh, I'd really love to use her for like a classical painting. And and so she showed up in the studio, just go, having gone to one of those um, um, cosmetology, cosmetology schools where they like, you know, cut your hair and they, they just dyed it bright red. And, uh, and she was, and so she was, she was a bit nervous and kind of like, uh, I don't know if she, like was really she didn't really seem like she was that comfortable and uh and so i just went with it and used that kind of a idea and i called the painting clever it kind of seems like she's just uncomfortable and and she was nervous too because the first time she'd ever like posed for a model and all those aspects of it just mm-hmm. really kind of played into it, you know, and she looks so young narrative yeah she was i mean she's like probably 18 maybe hmm. Yeah. 17, yeah, you can see the anxiety in her face. You really captured that. Yeah. yeah. And then there's one in red that I saw at Springville many years ago. Do you have that in here? I don't see it. Maybe I did. Scroll down. Is it that one in red? Which one in red are we talking about? Okay. I love this one too. We'll come the back. Running late is one? No. No. Maybe no, I don't have it in there. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking of a different. Maybe it I'm mixing like... up paintings again. Oh, right here. Is it is this, this one? Not, maybe this wasn't in Springville, but this is the one. It wasn't yeah. in Springville. It was part of a solo show I did with uh, Principal Gallery oh, okay. years ago. And it's the same, same girl. Model. Same girl. Same model. Yeah. She's more comfortable same this model. time. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like, um, yeah, as we kind of got into the photo shoot, this was later on in the shoot taking photos. She uh, seemed to relax a lot more. Yeah. And then um, I want to point out these. These were these were very different oh, for you, but okay. I remember when you did them, thinking they were really cool. And this is Howard Lyon, yeah. who's a fellow artist friend of ours. Yeah. Well, and it's this idea of music, and it's it's a diptych. So if you look the next the, the next painting next to it is the one that goes with it. If you notice, she's the headphones that she's wearing um, connect into his. Um, electronic device oh. and her, her electronic device is connected into his Do you notice that yeah and i didn't and so, but now i do so this idea how music connects us because this was a commission well it's kind of a funny story because i did a painting years ago called adoration of the hi-fi it was a tondo painting of um i used my sister-in-law and she's she's lifting the headphones and i had kind of done a different design with gold leaf in the middle and this cruise line that was building a new cruise ship, I think it's um, Old Holland um, uh, Cruise Line, having a, an art and music cruise ship. They said, we want to commission you to paint some paintings for our ship. And we love this painting. Well, is, is it available? And I said, no. And they said, well, will you, will you paint uh, another one or paint us two? And I said, sure. And I, and I love the idea of then exploring this idea of music. And so even the halo that's around them is like this equalizer bar that's moving up and down, you mm. know, like music and, and two, like she's, she's got tattoos and, and she obviously looks like maybe she's from a different crowd than ha- Howard. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of how music connects us like two different types of people. And um, yeah, 
Yeah, and so I really so right now these these paintings are on. I don't. I think it's the the new Staten Dam uh, cruise ship. That's no somewhere. way. That's a trip. I don't know. But, That's really uh, cool. And tell me about the yeah. surface they're painting on it. It looks like it's an actual record, but I don't think it is. No, that's the, I had uh, uh, Red Ashby, Ashby Frames, he made the frame. And so I had him make that frame. So that's the frame that goes around it. It looks like a record. And so it's just painted on um, on linen. Oh, and, uh, oh so the painting tenants. goes to this point. Yes, yes. Oh, it yeah. almost looks like the painting goes right to the edge. No, 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 that's that's just the frame. Oh, that is and cool. And so the frame was meant to look like a record. Yeah. Yeah, that it is way cool. Adds, yeah. No, I thought that was really, that's one of those really fun things going back as a graphic designer. I love the idea of somebody coming to me and giving me like the parameters of what I, what they need. And then me, me solving that. Sometimes it's so hard to come up with an idea when you just have, you can do paint anything. You know, right. I love it when you come to me and say, these are the things that I need, figure it out. And then that's, that narrows it down. And then I can actually find, uh, find a solution inside of that. Yeah. Sometimes just giving you anything is not is isn't as helpful you know yeah but then the other tondo painting was was painted for a show Wait, um, is that, that this one here yeah that was just me wanting to really play with the design of a figure and i turned it into a narrative of 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 this idea of psyche and the you know and um but That's really beautiful. it was just more trying to just design a figure um in an interesting way yeah, that's gorgeous. Well, man, Thank we've been you. at this for a while, and I <laughs> I oh, appreciate wow. it. Oh yeah. wow, we have. Yeah, we, we have. have. Well, we it's have. been fun talking. I feel like I feel like it's it's flown by. I know Chatting. it's been a great conversation, but we're not done yet. I got one more question. This is my last okay. question for you. So, okay. what if you could give one piece of advice that you wish you had to an aspiring artist? What would it be? One piece of advice. Um, I would, I would probably, I mean, how do I, how do I say this in a, in a, um, I'd probably say that, uh, I, I just, I just, it's interesting because, you know, we're all thinking about different things as in, in different points in our career, but, um, I just posted, uh, this quote by Winston Churchill, which says to improve is to change, to perfect is to change often. Um, cause I think early on in the career, when we're learning as an artist, um, a teacher will tell you something like don't use black is kind of the, one of the main things, right? Don't use black, don't ever use it. And, um, and, and that makes sense in certain ways, but as, as a young student, you might take that as dogma and like, that's the only thing you should do. I think you should um, uh, always be humble and be willing to learn, but then question your, your, your processes and your, practice, your practices often so that you can then learn what's perfect for you. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. like really try to take how you do it and how you perform. Um, and, and maybe, and maybe those, those things that some advice that you got from, from uh, a teacher or, or some other artist was really helpful for a time, but then maybe you need to then uh, change and find how you can be more efficient or more better by, by not always. I just feel like I, I think sometimes about some of the advice I get, and it, it, it's kind of some of those things well-intended have, have maybe hung me up for a few years. And, and, uh, and I think back to my, I think 
back and and realize that maybe I should have been more open to try new things, to really experiment. And just like what we're talking about in the painting, break the rules and, and try to experiment and try things. Um, uh, you know, in marketing, that idea of machine gun marketing, you know, try lots of things, but try them quick, do them fast and, and try so that you're not slowing yourself down. I, yeah. Right now in my career, I'm really trying to find a way to, to paint faster. I, I, I really don't want to, you know, ideally, I, I guess in my career, I'd love to get to the point where I'm only doing one painting a year, but, um, but I, what I, what I want to, to really learn how to do is be like those illustrators and really learn how to paint faster. And that's part of me then changing my process is like we were talking earlier is like, what can I do in my process that's different that will help me be more efficient and paint faster? And maybe that means rejecting some of the things that I was told I should be doing. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I just, know, I don't know if that's a great answer. No, it's a but, great answer. Uh, well, let me put it this way. It's already been said okay. multiple times. So obviously okay. it's something worth saying. I just interviewed Nicholas uh, Yoribi. Yoribi. I hope I'm not slaughtering yeah. that. Yeah, I don't he know said how to the say same thing. Yoribe? Yeah. Yoribe? Yoribe? I don't know. He, uh, he said, he said, throughout the interview, but then he also talked about it at the end. He said, oh, just do everything your teacher tells you and trust them. But then, yes. then when you're done, then you just have to like, not throw it all away, but just experiment. And, and as you put it, don't take it as dogma. And yeah. I think that to me, that's the key. Trust your teacher when, if it's, yeah. a, it's a, tr if it's a trustworthy yeah. teacher, right? Get a good teacher, right. a, trust yeah. the teacher yeah. and yeah. then, and then find your, yeah. your own way later. So I think it's, yeah. I think it's great advice. I didn't realize like, yeah, that he, he kind of gave that similar advice. Yeah, I think about did. it like just, just a quick example is um, when I studied with Bill Whitaker, he, you know, he used lead white and I kind of, and he, and his reasoning for that was, was that all the old masters use lead white, and that's the, it's the only thing you should you should use, and that makes a lot of sense to me. It still does now, but then I realized titanium still is it works really well, and it can work really well for like landscape painting, which gets you that kind of light effect where you're trying to really bring up your 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 lights. And I'm realizing that you just have to change your colors on your palette to work with titanium because I was using with lead white. I'm using very weak colors to work with the weak tone of, of, of the lead, which actually works great for flesh because it gives you this translucent quality, but you can also capture that if you're pumping up the, the chroma oh in, in the rest of your power, right? Dude, that's the second thing I've learned today. Okay. I got to tell you yeah. this to show What's my that? ignorance again, after 20 something years of painting, that's just embarrassing. So I'm in the same, I was in the same place. I hear all these people saying lead white, lead yeah. white. It's like, it's, yeah. it's like a religion. But right. I tend to touch my face and stuff. If you notice in the podcast, I notice when I see my right. own podcast, yeah. I'm like yeah, this I'm all the time. I touch my face all yeah. the time. So yeah. I'm so concerned about, um, see, I'm doing it right now. You know, I'm so concerned yeah. about um, <laughs> right. getting lead poisoning. So I won't, I, I, so I've tried it for six months. Then I get off of it. Then I try it for six months, like yeah. a drug. Then I get off of it. Yeah. And uh, what I've found is because I have a really chromatic palette that when I use lead white, I have to use so much white that I go through a tube you, in a study. You have study. to use a ton of it. Yeah, you have to use a ton of it. It's it's, it's obnoxious. Yeah. So I actually prefer I really titanium. Think, I, I really think Sergeant, if he had titanium, he would have used it. I was in Boston in that 
in that room where all those paintings of sergeants are, and there's there's a painting of a um, of a mother and a daughter, and there's a chair, and mm -hmm. on the you know to get the light effect that he was looking for on the on the arm of the chair, he just had this huge glob of like light lead white to get the bright effect that he was want that he wanted, and I think if he had titanium, he wouldn't have needed needed to use so much paint. You know, yeah. it's cool to have that paint, but at the same time, if he had titanium, I think he would have embraced it. Don't you think it worked yeah. for Bill because Bill was such a thin, delicate painter? And, and, and his, his palette, his palette, he used a lot of umbers, um, you know, a lot of those earth tones, which I've kind of completed. I've started actually using cad yellow, which is more of an orange. Um, and I've never used that in the past. And mm. so it's just, it's just experimenting and trying new things, I think is, is, I think you're absolutely right that you need to listen to and, and not have such an ego as a student as, as you're growing and developing as an artist. But at the same time, you got to figure out what works for you and, right. and, and, not, and not get hung up on these things because I've had people, you know, even students come back and say to me, well, you told me that, that I should be doing this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, maybe that works at it for a time, but, but now maybe it doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. be okay with, with, uh, was rejecting some of the stuff, you know, how can an actor make it in, in Hollywood? And he says to him, he says, he says, well, when people ask me that question, they're looking for like a formula, like do this and this and this, and that'll make you a great actor. He said, he said, I simply tell them, be so good. They can't ignore you. And, yeah. and I love that because it's just like you, if you focus on being, doing it really, really well, somebody's going to pay attention, but you yeah. have to really, push yourself to do it really, really well. And, and it's not, and like Steve Martin said, it's not an answer that people want to hear because it's so mm. vague, right? It's not, it's not the formula of to be a successful artist, but at the same time, it's how you become successful. It's, it's why, you know, we build the maquettes and, and we go and we get, you know, we, we scrape down the painting and we get a new model and bring them in. And it's all for, for to make it as best as, yeah, just making it make it the best we can possibly make it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this, but to me, the worst insult is when someone comes in my studio and says, wow, you've had a lot of success. You must be a good business person. <laughs> <laughs> you and, must be a good business person. Yeah, I don't think any yeah, artist yeah, I must is be, a good business person. No, I none mean, of us are. are acting, but they're rare. And I'm like, so what you're saying is that it would take really good business to sell this crap, you know, it's like, right. but because right. I'm a believer, if you produce a good product, you should, you shouldn't have to be that good of a business person. Right. If you're, if, uh, yeah, and I, that's what I believe in. I yeah. believe in that. Yeah. 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 And there's actually exactly a book, there's actually a book. And I rudely looked at my phone while you were talking, but it's because there is a book I listened to some time ago that I think actually has that title. Yeah, right there. So good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. There it is. Yeah. Why skills trump passion and the quest for work you love. Yeah. Right? So good. They can't ignore you. And it's by Cal Newport. So I'd recommend that. Yeah. I'm not necessarily to you. I think you got the idea, but I don't know. I listen to it. I have the same belief. You might want to consider that, but yeah. Well, and, I, I'm, and, I believe and I'm, naturally, I'm naturally a perfectionist, which kind of drives my wife crazy sometimes. Yeah, but, same. Um, but I, but it's kind of natural tendency too for me anyways to try to like no matter what I do to make it the very best you know mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's really been helpful for me in my career even if it is frustrating sometimes 
for, you know, for, for people around me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about, I often equate art to sports. And if you think yeah. about it, was Michael Jordan thinking about who he could get to know and, right. you know, schmoozing with people and networking. Right. And I mean, I'm yeah. not saying those things aren't important, but what was he really focused on? Becoming the best basketball player, in my yeah. opinion, whoever lived, but that's beside the point. But, yeah. <laughs> but he, right. that's it. That was the point. And that's why he still is a legend 20 years after retirement. Has it been that long? Anyway, yeah. sometime after well, retirement. And, and, I, and I'm a big golfer. I like to golf. And so Tiger Woods, I mean, yeah. that guy, like he won the Masters when he was 21 by 19 strokes, like just killed everybody. What was the first thing he did? He changed his swing entirely because he felt like he could get better. So yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's that's not amazing. about the schmoozing. It's about being so good they can't ignore you. Yeah. 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 Good advice. Man, well, I'm glad we finally got this done. This was a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I feel bad. I mean, it could have been months ago, but it was my fault. My no, fault. it's all good. Save the best for last. At least last until yeah, the next guest. That's right. You've had some amazing <laughs> artists on this podcast. I just feel hugely honored to be here and, and to, to talk to you. Wow. No, oh, yeah. thanks, man. I'm honored that these people are actually saying yes, and you included. So appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Undraped Artist Podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. And if you could, leave a comment or review. That really helps the channel. Please share the show with your friends. And if you're feeling generous, consider a monthly donation at theundrapedartist.com. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week.